are now tuned in to this week's episode of our podcast. Today, we are going to interview some of the greatest and most influential minds in our field. By sharing our collective expertise, we will show you how to harness, control, and use your own skill set to achieve ultimate success and live the life you want. And now, please welcome your host. theories. I'm talking about the Long Island serial killer case. It was just how many bodies were being found in one area. I was shocked. Follow us, Billy Jensen and Alexis Linkletter, on Unraveled, Long Island serial killer. And to follow our investigation even further, don't miss our all-new special Unraveled, the Long Island serial killer. Streaming now, exclusively on Discovery+. Plus. Today's episode is brought to you by Patreon. If you're interested in supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash Joshua and become a $2 backer today and get early access to the new episodes. I'll be leaving a link in the description down below, but for now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Augment Experience Podcast. I'm your host, as usual, Joshua Vellis. I'm a student, musician, and a gamer at heart. Join me as I sit down every week to talk about all the latest news in the technology, business, and video game world. I hope you guys enjoy. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. My name is Joshua Ellis. I am your host as usual, and obviously, welcome back to the show. Today's episode 162 of the show. And before we get started, I'm going to do a bit of house cleaning real quick because, well, you guys know what I have to do it around here, and it only makes sense that we, you know, do house cleaning. So let's get right to it. I do want to say thank you guys for coming back and listening to today's episode. It really does mean a lot to me. You guys constantly keep coming back and downloading these episodes, to keep sharing these episodes, to constantly keep letting me know how you feel. And I just really appreciate it that you guys constantly keep doing that. You guys always listen to the audio version or you watch the video version. And to me, I really do appreciate it because it means a lot. Whether you believe it or not, it really, really does mean a lot. But I do also want to say thank you guys for helping us hit over 2180 total downloads. So if you don't know what that is, it's 2,180. I greatly appreciate that. You guys are awesome. We're almost to 2,200 total downloads. So thank you guys for that. I really appreciate it. The goal is to hopefully hit 3,000 by the end of the year. So, you know, constant growth of 1,000 each year. So Again, greatly appreciate it. We can hit that goal. I also want to say thank you to the Patreon backers. You guys are great. I really appreciate you guys. You guys constantly support the show, and it really does mean a lot to me you guys do that. So thank you. I really appreciate that. But I do want to say this episode was not planned. <laughs> I, If I'm being honest and genuinely honest, I was not expecting to do this episode. And there's a reason I'm titling this episode the way I am, that I'm titling it a real talk. I know that we just did a real talk, but I felt like this situation demanded a real talk. That that it's basically me talking about that life is truly unexpected. And 
I can say that can go either in a good way or in a bad way. But I really wasn't planning to do this episode because there was a lot of family stuff going on that I did not feel comfortable doing an episode that I I just wasn't in a good mental space or mental capacity to really do an episode. And it's funny because we talk about not wanting to do an episode and you guys can clearly see we have a new mic, but I didn't feel like I wanted to do an episode, but I felt that because of what happened, it was only fair that we did this real talk, talking about that life is truly unexpected. Let me just be honest with you guys. And you guys, if you've been watching for a while, or you know me in personal, like in, you know, personal conversations. Yes, I am very familiar with this idea of life being unexpected. I'm familiar with the idea that life is random, that the only things that are guaranteed in life are that time will pass, you're going to die, and that life is truly random. And I've learned this many, many times, whether it be the passing of my aunt, passing of my grandmother, the passing of my brother, the passing of my sister, the passing of my grandfather. And then this whole situation happening with my aunt where we, we received word that she was dying and we were like, what the heck? And we were distraught. We were all upset. We were all questioning things, but we thought that, Hey man, this is the end of the line. Let's, we acknowledge that we're okay, that we can let go. But then life shows that, Hey, I can, or more specifically that we always keep forgetting that God really has control of everything that he's like, yes, that's fine and dandy, but I get the final say in the matter. And we received word that that she's stable now that there's hope that she will pull through and for me this was i questioned a lot of things i personally was just questioning everything i didn't know how to feel but this to me was affirmation of my faith this was affirmation or I would say confirmation that my hope was not misplaced, that the will of God would take place no matter what. And if this is what the Lord's will has deemed that she would continue living and being with us, then so be it. The Lord is faithful. He is just, he never makes mistakes. He doesn't do things and doesn't hold his end of the bargain. He fulfills his part always and does it to exceed our expectations because he will always do what you do not expect that he will do and i know for me we expect the worst we expected that hey this is the same thing that did my grandfather and and we were like okay we just have to be okay with this. And then we hear this news that, hey, there is hope that she will pull through. And that's just, 
wow, man, that's just like, wow. It's moving because we are so used to the will of God determining that, hey, it's their time. And we've seen that time and time again. And this is the instance where it's like, hey, not yet. I'm not done with you yet. And it's like, wow. It's very powerful. It's very moving that a miracle had taken place. That someone that was pronounced pretty much dead is going to be fine. And that's why I say that life is truly unexpected because you think one thing is going to happen, but then another thing happens. And that's okay because this just shows that you do not have control over your life, that you do not control anything in life. The only thing that you can't control are the decisions you make, but that is it. Control is the illusion that man has created because man believes that it can control anything when it really cannot. And a lot of people will try to tell you, hey, man, you can control your life, that you can do whatever. And it's like, no, you cannot. You are a speck of dust in the universe. You are a tiny piece of this giant universe that you do not understand. And a lot of people will try to tell you that you have control over everything when in reality you have control of nothing. And that's hard for a lot of people to understand, man. Like some people don't want to listen that they don't have control over anything. They're like, what do you mean? I don't control, man. I can do this and this will happen. It's like, are you sure about that? Or is that just what's supposed to happen? You didn't think about it like that. Did you, you didn't think that that was going to happen no matter what it was just going in the same direction that you were going in. That makes you think, huh? But then by that logic, that means that everything in life has meaning. Everything has purpose, that everything happens for a reason. And it contradicts the idea that you have control because then that means nothing has meaning because that means you can change whatever. And that means it doesn't matter because you can always change it. When the reality is you cannot change. Everything is cause and effect, whether you like it or not. The only problem is you don't know what that effect is going to be. That is something that I say that life is truly unexpected because you think one thing is going to happen, but then another thing happens. You think someone is going to die and then this person walks out of the hospital perfectly fine with no issues. That is some powerful stuff, man. And I felt that this, I felt the urge and the conviction in my heart to do this episode because I have seen this firsthand that life is truly unexpected, but it is also one of the most beautiful things ever. Yes. Do I agree that this world is not perfect? Absolutely. This world is sucks. This world is terrible, but that does not mean that there's no beauty in this world. That does not mean that there is no good in this world. That just means that there's some bad stuff in it. And there's a lot of it. But that doesn't mean everything is bad. And for me, it's one of those things where I asked, why is this happening now? Ooh, the big question. 
why is it happening now when it could have happened the other instances? But in reality, I've came to my senses and it's like, no, that's not the right question to ask. Rather, the appropriate response is thank you. That we have been given hope and also that we have been received affirmation for our hope and that our hope was not misplaced. That we believe in a God that can do anything, that we don't believe in a small God that can do cheap party tricks or, you know, that when they die, they die. It's like, no, we believe in a God that can do anything. And I say this from my personal perspective, of course, that we believe in a God that can do anything that can raise the dead whenever he wants, can destroy the very universe itself with just a word or even a breath. And it's like, wow, it really humbles you because it makes you realize what am I to that? And the answer is nothing. You cannot compare to something that is uncomparable, that has no rival, that has no equal, that knows no limits, that has no limits, that is not finite, but infinite. We are finite. We are limited. We only have, can only do so much, but he can do anything. When the doctor said that there was nothing they can do, and then we see this happen, it's like, wow. It's crazy how life truly is unexpected, people. Yes, I do not know what could happen the next day, what could happen the next. I do not know where this where this can go. All I know is that, hey, man, she's coming out of there one way or another. She's either coming out walking perfectly fine or she's walking or they're taking her to her funeral home, man. One of those outcomes will happen. She's walking out either way. It's just, how is she leaving there? And for me, I have seen this time and time again that life is truly unexpected because you can only control your decisions that you make because they're your choices. You have free will. You're allowed to make the decisions that you want. The only reality is, can you live with the consequences of your decisions? Because every decision you make has a consequence, whether it be good or bad, because consequences are not a bad thing. They've been given a very negative stigma, but it's just cause and effect. That's really what it is. Just think of just think of consequences as the effect. Can you live with what happens as a result of your choice? And life works that way. Like, yes, I do believe that life can be random. Life can be unexpected, but you also are allowed to make your choices in life. But there's always going to be an overarching plan for your life that it's you have a specific race that you have to run that no one else can run. And for a lot of people, they're like, Josh, I don't like that metaphor. I don't like this idea of running a race. And it's like, well, what else would you say? You're running a race because you're you're focusing on yourself. You're focusing on getting to the end because the reality is everyone's life is limited we won't live for like here on this earth. We will not live forever. You're going to die. And depending on what you believe in your, like as a Christian, yes, we believe that if you have placed your hope and faith in Christ, then you will live forever in eternity with Christ and the father. But if you do not, then you will live forever, but you will live in condemnation. 
in purgatory. And for me, that's been a very interesting thing because it's like, as, as I was mentioning, like we were okay with letting go because we knew that, Hey, if she's not going to pull out of this man, then we'd rather her be okay. We'd rather her be like happy, content, like no longer having to deal with anything, just being okay. And that's why we always do that. Where when someone is about to pass, then we would do the prayer that the Lord's will would be done. And if the Lord's will is for them to leave, then we would let them leave in peace and know that, Hey, we were going to be okay. Yes. It may be hard. It doesn't mean that it's going to go away overnight that we're never going to forget. It just means that, yeah, things will be okay. It's just going to take a little bit of time. And I've seen firsthand how life has truly been unexpected. And it's just like, wow, what a great affirmation that life is unexpected, that you have control over nothing in life, but there's someone who is in control. And it's like, wow, it, (laughs) it brings me to tears if I'm being honest with you, because it's just so moving. It's so powerful. It's so unexplainable. And it's just like, wow. This is the person that we have placed our hope and trust in. That when you least expect it, or when you feel like you're at your lowest, or you're at your lowest point, he is always working and he is at his strongest. If dependency is goal, if dependency is the goal, then weakness is the advantage. You are not called to be strong. You are called to be weak because when you are weak, he is made strong. You must learn to decrease so that he may increase. It's called being selfless. It's called being humble. It's called being, you know, kind of people will say like the joke from the rock. It's like, know your role and shut your mouth because that's kind of what it is, is who are you to tell God what to do? He made you. He can unmake you. He can make you cease from existence that you can't even understand. Like there is so much that it's just like, wow. And I, like I said, is this episode wasn't planned. I didn't have like a general idea. I didn't have talking points. This was just me talking about what has happened in just two to three days at the time of this recording two days what has transpired well i would say probably like three days or four days really but you get the point in the matter of a few days we have seen someone go from pronounced dead to having a chance of coming back that they're able to live a normal life again And it's just like, wow. Then I guess I may have the opportunity to ask the questions that I wanted to ask. It's just like, wow, man, it's mind boggling. It doesn't make sense, but that's okay. It doesn't have to make sense. It's just reality. People always talk about, I'm a realist. And I'm like, no, you're not a realist. You just have your perspective of things. 
The reality is what's happening here and now. That is reality. It's not your reality, man. People always tell you, I'm just trying to be a realist with you, man. And it's like, you want to talk about reality? Reality is right here, my man. It's not what you think is going to happen. It's what's happening right now. That's what's real. Right here, right now. It's not what's going to happen or what could happen. It's what's happening right here, right now. This is reality. Don't give me that reality bullcrap. Because that's not reality. And a lot of people tell you that, man. And you just tell them, sorry, my guy, you're full of shit. Or girl, (laughs) you're full of it. Reality is right here. What's happening right now. This conversation between you and me is reality. It's not what you think is going to happen. That's not reality. That's your perception of things. That's what you think is going to happen. And watch, it doesn't happen. Are you going to say that's a realist? Or are you going to say, oh, that was my assumption? No. You say what it is, is this is what I think could happen. You don't say this is reality because it's not. And I find it funny that I've been told that a lot. And I tell them the same thing every single time when they're proven wrong. That's like, wow. Some pretty moving stuff, man. And I thank you guys for all the love and support for everyone that knew what was going on. I really appreciate it. I say thank you to all the listeners, to all the friends that have reached out. I really appreciate you guys. I don't know what's going to happen. I honestly don't, but I know that everything will be okay. That one way or another, what is supposed to happen will happen. And that is the reality of things. Whatever the, the Lord's will has deemed, it is what will happen. You cannot change the will of God just because you don't agree with it. But we also have to remember that the will of God is perfect and that everything that the will of God has for us is what's actually best for us. So now we wait. That's all we can do is have hope that things will work out. But I thank you guys for your time. I thank you guys for listening to today's episode. It really, really does a lot to me that you guys took time out of your day to listen. And I hope that some of you were encouraged by this. I hope some of you were strengthened, that your faith was strengthened, that your faith was reaffirmed, or maybe it brings you to faith to believe a little bit. But I thank you guys for everything. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. I am not going to do another episode this week because I want to enjoy time with my family during this time. I hope you guys are understand that. I know we've only been doing one episode the past few weeks now, but that's just because school. But I want to spend time with my family and enjoy time with them. So I thank you guys for understanding. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys have yourselves a wonderful weekend. Please be safe. Please take care of everyone around you. The world is still weird, but continue to be mindful and respectful of other people, guys. And check up on people they haven't talked to. Sure, you may not want to talk to them, but I think there might be a reason you should talk to them. But I thank you guys for your time. I love you guys. Please continue to be safe out there. Don't do anything dumb, guys. And I will see you guys next week. Bye, guys. 
Hey there. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day and listening to today's episode. If you're interested in supporting the show, whether it be financially, clicking the follow button, or just sharing the episode, it all works for me, guys. Thank you guys so much for your time, and I love you guys to death. Call 1-888-FARMERS to switch, and you could save an average of $470 on your auto insurance. That's a lot of money in just a few minutes. With savings like that, you could be lounging on an impractical amount of ornate and overpriced throw pillows you bought for your couch. But you won't, because you're better with money than that. That's why you're calling us in the first place. Call 1-888-FARMERS to get a quote today. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Based on average nationwide annual savings survey data, July to December 2020. Underwritten by Farmers Trucker Fire Insurance. Exchanges are affiliate. Products not available in every state. Now more than ever, it's critical that customers find accurate information about your business. Local Works by Yahoo Small Business makes it easy to add, edit, and publish business information across 70-plus local directories from a single dashboard. Ensure your business is found with Local Works and save 10% today by using code LWPODCAST. Visit yahoosmallbusiness.com slash local to find out more. Parish, it's Wednesday, March 16, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and today is all about picks and picks and picks. I have identified my four favorite first-round picks. Deadleg has done the same. So this is basically an entire podcast dedicated to being something close to an extended version of of the final four and one. Should this count in our official records, Deadleg? Oh, it's counting the records. And here's where we're at right now. I'm 37 and 32. You're 31 and 38. This is going to count to the season-long tally, and it's going to give you a shot here. I mean, I don't know if we're doing this for Sweet 16 or not. Uh, they want a picks episode. We're giving them a picks episode. Our favorite ones uh, against the spread here. I'm going to need someone to go back and tell me what the hell we put on the line at the start of the season. What, do you remember? Like, I, what I do remember is this. Well, actually, I got a couple. I got a couple beefs, actually. I thought about this yesterday. I forgot to bring it up. Dude, where's my pizza? Have oh, my you, God. I forgot. You haven't heard of this. I wanted this for the... I, I'm going to experience the first round of the NCAA tournament at my house. I wanted the pizza, and it hasn't come yet. I feel bad. I... When you texted me uh, exactly what pizzas you wanted, I was, I think it was the night before I was leaving town or, or one of the, I, we were literally in the car going to dinner, me and my wife and my youngest son. And I was like, okay, I'll just do this when I get home. And that's the last time I thought about it until just now. <laughs> That's 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 on me. That was the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. I, here's my promise to you, because you know me, I pay my bets. I will, as uh, soon as we get done with this, the very next thing I'm going to do is put your order in, and I'll put it on rush delivery. So maybe, just maybe, it gets there a little, little more quick. Fair enough. Now. Last year, we also made a wager on the season-long picks, and the loser had to buy the winner a concert ticket of their choice. Then the pandemic hit, so I ha- so I still <laughs> haven't gotten that. 
That's a hell of a that's a dumb it's the dumbest pandemic I ever been through. Okay, so we still got to figure that out, but I got to get vaccinated, and they start got to start having concerts again. That might not even happen to twenty twenty two. I think we put something on the line at the beginning of the season, but I don't know what the hell it was. So either you're getting off <laughs> you're getting off without anything, or we're gonna have an enterprising listener go back and provide proof of what what's on the line here. I don't remember what it was though. No the, idea. At first. I do remember if we definitely put something on the line. I have no idea what it was, but I vaguely remember initially challenging you to death. Okay. Like we put our lives on the line. Did we did we did we say that the winner has to the loser has to buy the winner a Billiken doll? <laughs> I feel like that, that came after. I really hope that's not it. I really hope that's not what's I mean, actually. I've already at got stake a Billiken belt. I know. I don't. I don't want a billiken in my house. I got to be honest here, man. I got young children. You rub, you rub its head for good luck. I thought about that. St. Louis, obviously, one of the first teams left out of the field. They didn't rub that little billiken head. head <laughs> they, they, they didn't rub the billiken head this uh, season because of COVID protocols. I mean, they, they were St. Louis in a tight spot. You, 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 you either, you either rub the billiken's head so you can have good luck to avoid quad three losses, or you, or, or you don't. Because of COVID, but then guess what happens? You don't have good luck, and you get COVID anyway. They should have just rubbed the head. Didn't rub the head. All right, so here's the deal. You are still alive to win whatever the hell is this is. Give me those records again. I'm 37 and 32, and you're 31 and 38. Stop the steal. Oh, gosh. Stop the steal. Stop the steal. I feel like this is getting stolen from me. Like, every every episode, you just add another win and subtract (laughs) another loss for me. By the way, is it a coincidence that the person who always wins is the only person who keeps track? You are more than welcome. First of all, we have a listenership in the tens of thousands. You are more than welcome to do this on your own. Plus, there are independent arbiters, and this is entire. I have actually had people correct me when I've when I've given you too many wins and said, "Actually, you've been too kind to GP." That was not actually how that went down. Stop the steal! Stop the steal! Stop the steal! They take they got listeners taking wins away from me. They're just they're, they're facts, man. That's 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 the problem. But here's the good news. The good news is you we are picking five different outcomes and not the same games. So you can make a five game gain on me in this. We both know that's not gonna happen. Game number one. I've got Michigan State minus two over UCLA. <laughs> what the hell? What's going on? It's hard this is hard for me. What's going on? This is hard for me. But I gotta get all, I gotta get going quick. I can't wait till Friday to start making up ground. I gotta start. I gotta make up ground Thursday. And um, here's the truth: you know, you know how much respect I have for for Mick Cronin in UCLA. It was my idea to put his name on that court in the first place. But they are on a four game losing streak, and they are a projected one point winner over Michigan State, according to Ken Palm. And yet the books have made it Michigan State minus two. What does that tell you? They're trying to get you off Michigan State. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get you off Michigan State. Can't get me off Michigan State. You can't get me off Michigan State. Make it minus three. You can't get – I ain't falling for that. Michigan State five and three in its past eight games. That's how they got into this stupid tournament. They got wins over Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan in that stretch. UCLA hasn't beaten any teams like that all season long. This is, this is Michigan State minus two. That's how we start the tournament one and oh. You will have you will have the first game. I'm giving you five games and they're not in 
I did not pick mine in chronological order, by the way. You asked, I gave you five games. I don't I don't have my TV schedule up in front of me. I don't know when these are happening. I'm just giving you five. I'm going to give you mine in largest point spread to smallest. So you're going to take Michigan State. We log it. My first pick, minus 19 and a, this, this was the spread when I sent it to you. So if it's fluctuated a half a point, you got to live with it. Cleveland State, the Vikings getting 19 and a half, 19 and a half against the Houston Cougars. Dennis Gates, the coach of Cleveland State, he's a hot head coaching prospect. This is a team that likes to play slow, and guess what? It's playing Houston, the Cougs, Assembly Hall. Archie Miller just proved that it's not easy to score on those rims. I mean, we've seen it year after year after year here. Houston also kick, plays. You don't have to kick a man while he's down. Both these teams play really slow. The slower the game, the less likely you are to have a 15, 20-point spread. Cougars are good, don't get me wrong. Cleveland State's coming off some big mojo there. I think the line too big, too large a line, I'm going to ride with Cleveland State to cover and maybe even flirt with a single-digit outcome. This will be the closest 2 versus 15 that we get. Don't you come crying to me when Houston gets 17 offensive rebounds. (laughs) I I promise you that I will not. Do not come. don't, Don't bring your tears my way. Tried to warn you. It's 17 offensive rebounds. My second game, UConn minus two and a half over Maryland. UConn is 16th at Ken Palm. This is a team that is underseeded based on uh, the, the, the um, predictive metrics. Uh, they're 11 and three with James Booknight in the lineup. I think they're a really good team with James Booknight in the lineup. And Maryland is 0-4 against its past four top 35 Ken Palm opponents. The Terrapins haven't beaten a team like UConn in more than a month. I don't think they're going to do it this time either. UConn, lay the 2.5. That's how you start the tournament, 2-0. This game, to me, is one of the most likely to be decided in the final 20 seconds. So I think you're flirting with fire here. UConn's got the best player. UConn's the better team. Maryland's got the better nucleus. Eric Ayala, Aaron Wiggins, Daryl Morsell. I know you like this pick. I'm just saying, don't come crying to me when Maryland covers. UConn is 11-3 and three with James Booknight. You can and, tell how much uh, I've you, talked about all this hey, stuff. I've got every little bullet point memorized at this point because I, I we just keep talking about the same things. We we do we do region we do region previews for Facebook, then we do region previews for CBS Sports Network, and then it's like I got podcast region previews. Like I've got every little. Bu- bu- I bet I've said UConn is eleven and three with James Booknight in the lineup fifty times over the past two days. Oh, you're all you're all over it. There's no doubt about true. it. True, it's true. Eleven and three with James Booknight. And you didn't even get to the point where UConn's the best team against the spread in the tournament this year. It's covered almost 80% of its games. So that's why you should. Then why would you question me? Well, I was waiting. uh, Listen, I figured a man who put UConn would have brought that up, but I'm I'm here picking up the pieces. I'm just saying. All I know, all I know is they are 11 and 3 with James Booknight available. And when I say that's all I know, that. That's the truth. That is all oh, I know. Fair, fair enough. We let it ride. <laughs> Again, let's remind let's remind listeners of the records here. Thirty seven and thirty two on my end, thirty-one and thirty-eight on your end. Stop the steal. Oh, gosh. Stop the steal. 
Again, is this is this a movement that you want to be aligning yourself with on multiple podcasts over multiple months? I'm 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 focusing only on the uh, on on the stealing that is happening within the context of this podcast. I'm not some stupid capital stormer. Okay. I'll, I'll remind you that there is a no context podcast preview that I drop every single time as well. Either way, here we go. My second. When are we, when are we gonna spend more time on? Like, people actually stormed the Capitol. I know. I know. I, Can I, you believe I, that? Can you believe that? Unfortunately, what were they doing? The odds were against him, just like the odds are against Iona. This Rick Pitino story. I know you love it, my man. They are going to get rolled by Alabama. The line in this game at last check was Crimson Tide minus 17. GP has been probably driving the Alabama bus, I think, longer than just about anyone else in college hoops media. He's been on them for quite a while here. This is a second-rated defensive team in college basketball on a per-possession basis, according to Ken Palm. It's ninth in adjusted tempo. It's third on the offensive end in terms of uh, quickest possessions, and it's got a top 34 offense in America. Alabama is 24-6. and six. It is in the midst of one of its two or three greatest seasons of all time. It's coming off of uh, an 85-48 win against Mississippi State, and then it got a couple of good pushes, 73-68 against Tennessee, and then 80-79 in the SEC title game. Iona, on the other hand, has Rick Pitino and a team that's played 17 games. It's 12-5, and has losses to the likes of Manhattan, 315 in Ken Palm, 284 is Quinnipiac, lost to them as well, took an 86-64 loss against Seton Hall to start its season, and has won four in a row in the MAC tournament to get to this point. Iona is a wonderful story. It is nowhere close to Alabama and any in any way possible, I will be genuinely surprised, and it will be a mercy killing if Alabama allows this game to finish in in fewer than 20 points in final margin. Crimson Tide, run away with it. I'm talking 89-61. Let's go. I've got to go to Alabama for television purposes that I've been using over and over again. Oh, I just I thought you were about to say I gotta go to Alabama. I thought you were about to say I thought you were gonna say I gotta go to Alabama three days after the national championship game. That's where <laughs> I thought you were going with that. No, I do I have no reasons to go to Alabama right now or or after the national championship. I've got to go to Alabama like like it, it, whether it's Zucker or Stover or Sherry. It, it'd be like, so GP, what do you make of this Alabama team? You got to understand this team is very, very dangerous, and it's largely because of the style of play. Like this is a team that's second in defensive efficiency the entire country, ninth in tempo. So what does that tell you? It tells you they're going to really, really guard you, and then they're going to get up and down the court. And then about half of their shots, 47%, are going to come from the three-point line. And so they're going to put up 33s on you. Now, who knows how many they're going to make, but they've made 23 in one game this season. That's not normal, but it is possible, evidence being that they did it. So I don't care whether you're Gonzaga, Illinois, anybody else. You run into this Alabama team, and they launch 30 on you, and they make 15. you got big, big problems. Don't be surprised if Nate Oates is in the Final Four, and once he gets there, they've got a real shot to win the national title. I've said that exact thing 50 times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So ridiculous. Thanks for saying it again. What's your third game? Game number three. Loyola Chicago. Minus two and a half. I'm taking them over Georgia Tech. By all means, explain why. 
the com- the committee did Loyola Chicago wrong, and by extension, did Georgia Tech wrong. This is a team that is top ten at Ken Palm. I feel like you've said this on TV before, by the way. Go ahead. And they, I said this fifty times tonight, and they're an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. That doesn't make any sense when you underseed them to that degree. You are not only punishing them; you're punishing Georgia Tech. And oh, by the way, maybe also Illinois. Imagine you're Illinois. You went fourteen and one in your final fifteen games. You won more Big Ten games than anybody. Still didn't get the championship. Won the Big Ten tournament, and now in your second round game, you got to play a top ten Kimpom team. That's not fair. That's not fair and balanced. It's not fair and balanced. And by the way, in all seriousness, mm. if if Porter Mosier leaves, this will be among the reasons. Oh yeah, for sure. We that is absolutely the case. Like like I had a top ten, I had a top ten team, and they gave me an eight seed. Like what 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 am I what am I doing? Yep. And in fact, you know, John Gallagher. We had John Gallagher. Love John Gallagher. He the coach of Hartford, obviously, uh, on the other night and on CBS Sports Network on on Selection Sunday, and I think Stover asked him about you know the pressure of being in a one bid league. And he goes, it's just, he goes, I, I'd be lying to you. I almost got sick right before tip-off because you know, like, you're so close to this dream, but if this game doesn't go well, you're not getting there. And he says, it's why my friend, because he and Porter are close, he's like, it's why my friend Porter Moser might have to leave Loyola Chicago someday. Like, he said that. And that coming from a random person wouldn't mean much, but it coming from one of Porter's friends, I, I don't know, it stood out to me. Yeah, no, that uh... – I agree with you, by the way, on this pick. Uh, Georgia Tech and Josh Passner are a great story. Um, also, by the way, uh, dealing with uh, at least one person in their traveling party has has COVID. So uh, hopefully, think that, they got it from that COVID pinata. You know, there is an irony to that. But we just the point is, we uh, hopefully they they are clear of all of that stuff. But um, maybe just a, a dash of uncertainty with all of that. But you'll take Illinois, Chicago, and I would agree with you on that one. Though it's not one of my games. My next game, my third game. The spread is now, my first one was 19 and a half. The second was 17. Now we're dipping closer. This is a, a favorite to cover. I'm, I'm taking Oregon to blow the doors off of VCU. Okay. Oregon is similar to Loyola Chicago in that I, I just think it's Loyola Chicago deserved a better seed. Maybe Oregon didn't 20 and 16, got knocked out of the Pac-12 tournament by Oregon State. I, that prevented it from getting to the six line. I just think it's better than its seed line overall. But the way that Oregon's roster is comprised, you know, Eugene Omorui, a senior, 30, 38% three-point shooter, just a load to handle inside and out. Chris Duarte, who was, I guess, a third, was he a third-team All-American? Um, quality player, 43%, the former junior college All player of the year, uh, LJ Figueroa. Amori Hardy. They've got just an endless supply of guards and wings. They are a power conference team basically built to annihilate a, a team like VCU. And Mike Rhodes has done a wonderful job, but we both know that these eight, nine, seven, tens, we always get one or two that they just they end with a widespread, even though that the teams are, are seated closely. VCU can remain close in this game because it's got the defense. It does not have the offense to match here. from three-point range. That's 211th in the country. 51.7% from two-point range. That's 94th in the country. And Bones Highland is a wonderful player. I think he's he's probably like a top 50 player in college basketball. Vince Williams is a nice wing. I just think they are outclassed here. This is my... I'm most confident of all the 8, 9, 7, 10s. The one that I'm most confident in one team winning it is Oregon, and I think they win by double digits. 
How are you going to go through Oregon's roster and not mention my, my Chandler Lawson? It's my little homie from Memphis. I, I just, I don't know. That's I, that's your job. I, <laughs> you got like you got seventy two little homies from Memphis. I cannot keep track of all these people. We're basketball city. It's true, but you're not a basketball tournament team. Norlander, watch your mouth. <laughs> you you watch your goddamn mouth. <laughs> okay, okay. It's a process. He wasn't ready for it. He was not ready for it. <laughs> it's a process. It's a process. You got Josh Passner in this tournament before Memphis got back. That's something, isn't it? That is something. It really is, man. <laughs> On the day that Josh left Memphis for Georgia Tech, what kind of odds could you have gotten on Josh Pastor making the NCAA tournament again before Memphis gets back again? Really good ones. Well, the, the, you know. Or bad ones, however to... you want to view that. But, yes, that was not the expected outcome. Yeah. They, they made, a, they made a, a questionable hire after Josh Pastner. It gave us two years of, of Tubby Smith that, with all due respect to Tubby, who has had an incredible career, that was an awful hire. And it went even worse than I thought it was going to go. Here we are. Game number four. What do you got? It's a process, Norlander. Now we get, you know what you'll get now in the NIT? Memphis against State, and you know what that means? Memphis against Jalen Crutcher. Do you know where Jalen Crutcher is from? I think he's another little homie from Memphis. That's my little homie from Memphis. My fourth game, Missouri plus two over Oklahoma. It's the wrong team favorite situation. You're out of your mind picking this game. This is the ultimate coin flip in the entire first round. This is a wrong team favored situation. (laughs) It's a wrong team favored situation we're looking at. Oklahoma is 1-5 in in its past six games, and the only win in that stretch is against Iowa State. How about this? (laughs) This blew my mind when I saw it. Three of Oklahoma's past four wins are against Iowa State. (laughs) Let me tell you the names of the teams Oklahoma has beaten since February 1st. West Virginia and Iowa State. That's it. That's the whole list since February 1st. Did I catch a three seed in there? Seven weeks. Seven weeks? And you've beaten exactly one team not named Iowa State? And Iowa State just fired his coach? Listen, I'm not going to talk you off this. Since February 7th, here's who Missouri has beaten. South Carolina, Florida, which is a worse seed than West Virginia. First off, that's Devin Downey's alma mater. Don't just talk Mm. about it. It's not. It's Devin Downey's alma mater. And then Georgia. Missouri is three. Tom Cream won two outright Big Ten titles. Listen, and and then and Missouri just just handled him. You act like that's nothing. Like they beat Georgia. They didn't beat Georgia. They beat the man who won two outright Big Ten titles. Indiana. Missouri is three and six since last night. You're just playing with fire. Pick the game. That's fine. I like playing with fire. I'm not scared to play with fire. Don't come crying to me when Oklahoma wins this by five. Don't 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 come all burned up crying to me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is a wrong team oh, favorite. Oh, worry, yeah. yeah okay. This is a wrong team favorite. Dude, in seven weeks, they've beaten one team not named Iowa State. Seven weeks. It just so happens that team is good, but yes, I hear you. Oh, man, look at you. I Bold. understand Missouri's shaky too, but they're not as shaky as Oklahoma. Oklahoma's Bold. the shakiest. All right, my next game is the tightest one in terms of line, and then we have the same game that we disagree on for number five. So my fourth game is the game that I think is the best game of the first round of the NCAA tournament. 
and that is St. Bonaventure as a 9 and LSU as an 8. This is only LSU minus 2? Are you kidding? This is... This is line too little, right team oh favored. I'm texting Woj right now. Uh, you, you know what? Please do as we do this. Please just text him and be like, New Orleans picking against Bonaventure on the podcast right now. I, I, I heartily encourage that. I did, a, I did a podcast with our buddy Will Leach, and I said on that one, I was like, can we please have Woj just live tweet him watching St. Bonaventure? St. Bonaventure versus LSU. Can we please have that happen? It would be phenomenal if he could just like me, like me watching a Bears game and going through that on Twitter. I would love to see if we could possibly have that happen. I'm going to take LSU here because much better offense, multiple NBA players. Bonaventure can certainly muck it up. And Mark Schmidt, if he wins this game, it will not be a shock. But LSU, which just took your beloved Alabama Crimson Tide to the final play, and then Alabama won, and then Nate Oates, I think, told the entire LSU team to get the f*** out of here. (laughs) Which I'm sure did not even offend Will Wade. Whatever. LSU's riding it high. I I like this spot. This was my last of the five that I picked, but I feel like it's going to be a close game with about four minutes to go. Cam Thomas is going to drop 29 in this one, and LSU's going to win by about six or seven points. That's the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard. It's not, though. It's not. Did you send the text? I sent the text. I Listen. If we don't get it back before the the episode's over, we don't get it back before the episode's over. It can linger and it can linger as a mystery there. And I don't do it to be disrespectful. I'm picking my five favorite lines. LSU minus two is too tempting. I can't deny it. So that's my pick. You disagree. Do you have Bonaventure? Seriously, do you have the, do you have Bonnie's in your CBS bracket? You do, right? Who do you think you're talking to? Oh my God. You're you're looking at right now. You're looking at the master of ceremonies of A10 Media Day pre-pandemic. I'm looking at the master of ceremonies of of the A10 Media Day pre-pandemic, sitting in a dark hotel room with a white T-shirt on, like always. And what kind of ceiling are we working with there? It's like a tile ceiling. Do you have a shirt hanging on one of those lamps behind you? What's going on with that? What's what it's is that yellow hoodie. thing? The yellow hoodie. It's a yellow Muhammad Ali hoodie. There we go. Okay, there we go. That's who I'm looking at right now. By the way, Parrish realized that he has a mic stand that is adjustable. Just yesterday, we've been using these for five months. Game changer. Game changer. It's a game changer. Like I, like the mic's been too high for me. Like I'm a short man. Mic too high. It's got a mic too high situation, and I was just sort of looking at it yesterday, and I was like. Hold up. You can lower this thing? That's amazing. It's just phenomenal of me that you just fi- figured this out. All right. You want to get to the... F- no, no. Oh, okay. No, you don't, no, don't no, want to no, move no, on no. to the final game. Okay. You're, you're, ta- you, you're being disrespectful. All right? Um, these are A-10, A-10 champs, both regular season and tournament. Mark Schmidt just watched Boston College hire somebody not named Mark Schmidt. That's true. He's going to be pissed. You think he's? You think the way he reacts is to come out and lose to LSU? No, 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 no. That's not the way this unfolds. That is not. That's not the way the Bonnie story ends. Okay. You got a wrong team favorite situation. Oh God! You didn't even recognize it. You're staring. You're staring at a wrong team favorite situation, and you don't even know it. We shall see. We shall see. Wonderful matchup. Good luck. Hey, hey, 
Good luck ever trying to get a job at ESPN now. Okay. It's over for you. Between Woj and Tim Bontemps, it's over for you. Tim Bontemps shout. Gotta love it. Very okay, nice he's a, reporter. He's a, bon- he's a Bonnie? He is a Bonnie. Very nice guy there. Very nice guy. The best guy. Very wonderful. What's our fifth game? So we, the way we did this is we both picked five games in advance. And we only uh, had, we only picked the same game once. And so I said, well, that's actually perfect. Then we'll just do your four and we'll do my four. And then uh, the and one, if you will, will be the game. And so the game that we both picked is Colorado minus five over Georgetown. But we picked different winners. So Norlander. Mm-hmm. What side are you on? I mean, roll tad. Buffs. All day. Colorado, 17th in Ken Palm. Georgetown coming off a wonderful story here. All the way down at 55. It's not even, it shouldn't even be on the 12 line, to be honest. Georgetown, wrong line, wrong line. That's a 13 scene if I've ever seen one. They're a great story. This is a Georgetown team that has lost at home to Navy. Okay. Dropped the game again. I see, I see somebody's living in the past. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I Says the man who is the MC of the A10 Media Day pre-pandemic. I, I, I see Georgetown Biggies tournament champions, and you're living in the past. I, I am not living in the past because the team I'm picking to cover just lost to Oregon State in the Pac-12 title game. That game might as well never have happened as far as I'm concerned. In fact, Colorado has also lost to Cal, which is 136 in Ken Palm, and it's lost to Washington, which is 173. I'm kind of rethinking my decision in real time here. I will roll with the buffs. They have the best player on the floor, McKinley Wright the fourth, wonderful point guard. Evan Batty is... Uh, he. He is a load down low, and I don't know if Georgetown's got the big... Alonzo Mourning ain't walking through that door. Patrick Ewing is walking through that door, but he's not walking through that door in a Georgetown uni. So I will go with with Colorado to cover here. Uh, The line is five, right? Colorado minus five. It's also the Ken Palm projection. These teams often line up. I will go Buffs, roll Tad. No, 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 no. You need to validate your picking of Georgetown and not use Patrick Ewing was awesome when I was 10 years old as your reason why. Patrick Ewing was awesome when I was seven years old. There we go. Colorado's 15th in the net, 17th at Ken Palm, 18th in BPI, 23rd in KPI, 24th in Sagra. They tricked the computers. Oh, you know, so com- all right. They're the Colorado computer trickers. That's what they're not the Buffaloes anymore. The Colorado computer trickers. They trick the computers. They're computer trickers. In all honesty, when I pick these five games, you're on this computer tricker thing, and I did not. I didn't have it in my mind that you uh, that you headed out for this team because you've mentioned this on previous. I think this is the third podcast you've been going after them like this. By the way, I don't even think you're allowed in Boulder anymore. I think the authorities will arrest you the second you step foot. Inside city limits there, but it's all too funny that I picked this game completely forgetting that uh, that you basically hate Colorado now. I do not hate them. I have no. I have no negative feelings toward them. They won't I, even let you into the city. The Colorado computer trickers. 
How does a team got that kind of computer numbers and they lost to four sub-70 Ken Palm teams this season? Washington, Utah, California, Oregon State. Oh, by the way, Georgetown's 55th at Ken Palm. They lost to four sub-70 Ken Palm teams. And now they got to play a top-55 Ken Palm team. That is a recipe for disaster, dead leg. Colorado lost to the last-place team in the Pac-12 and the next-to-last-place team in the Pac-12. They have as many quad three losses as they have quad one wins, which is three. They're computer trickers. You're going to trust the computer trickers on a basketball court? You can, you, you, can, you can trust them in your computer because they're computer trickers. But on a basketball court, this is a team that loses to sub-70 teams. 82.2% from the foul line, number two in the sport. If it gets close, Georgetown fouls late, three, four-point game. I like it. I just watched Georgetown beat Creighton's brains in, all right, to win the Big East tournament. And, and, and I also watched. They did. They, they, I mean, they just lose to Oregon them. State. Tinkle, tinkling. This is, you're falling for it. You're falling for the computer trickers, not me. Not me. I cannot is, wait this for is, Colorado to win this game by 14 This points. is a line too big situation. It's not necessarily a wrong team favorite situation, although I think it could be. Oh, God. It's not necessarily a wrong team favorite situation, but it is undeniably a line too big situation. You're falling for the computer trickers. That's not something I do at this stage of my life. I've reached a stage in my life where I don't fall for computer trickers anymore. <laughs> If you go 0 and 5 here, like, how are you going to recover? Dude, I don't care. I know. <laughs> like, we're dedicating a whole episode to picking five games. Oh, and oh, I, yeah, no, I yeah. actually want us both. Uh, we both can't go 0 and 5. One of us, by nature, has to cover the collar. I guess technically we could push, but, um, but it. <laughs> oh, by, by, the, by the way, by the way, now that we're done, like, we got you this far. Yeah. We don't know what we're talking about. Oh, I no, absolutely no idea. Like, like there are some people who like get on these things. Like, we're gonna give you the best bets. They, <laughs> they don't know. No way. They don't know. All I know is I'm I'm 37 and 32. I've done okay, but I'm I I'm not gonna proclaim any sort of soothsaying power here. No shot. No shot. And we know Parrish isn't. If if anything, he's outperformed expectations at this point. <laughs> I, I I get I get a win stolen from me every week. <laughs> I, I get... You steal it from yourself. It's it's tough. It's tough. I I am confident I can at least go two and three. <laughs> hey, come a, listen, hey, come listen to our podcast. I can I can get you I can get you to two and three. Boy. I think we're about done here. I got nothing left. Last thing on the podcast is you falling for the computer trickers. Hey, heads That's up, the, by the way, to everyone. Barring breaking news, which Paris and I are really hoping just doesn't happen, our next podcast situation, I believe we're going to give you a little quick 15-minute one. We say 15, it'll be 22 minutes. You know how this goes. That'll be Friday after the first day of the first round. So we will recap the day, set you up briefly, so you can basically wake up Saturday morning for the second day of the second round Squeezing a little podcast while you're making breakfast, chasing your kids around, going for a run, whatever you got to do. Uh, we'll make it nice and quick so that it's relevant enough that you want to listen and you don't feel like you don't have the time to get it in. So we'll have a short one for you that will be available either late Friday and for the West Coast people that are up, it'll be there. And if you're on the East Coast, when you wake up, it'll be in your feed and we will have you covered.
Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry MF and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast right in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. This is the stupidest one. Did you see Sister Jean got vaccinated and she's going to the bubble? Oh, I saw that. 101. 101. And she's doing it. God bless her. Me and Sister Jean, we got that in common. We're both fully vaccinated humans. I'm a fully I, and you had the same vaccine. I believe I heard. She, uh, she got Pfizer, I think. Yeah, I'm on that Pfizer. Yeah. With the benefit of hindsight, I feel like I would have liked to get on that Johnson & Johnson. I'm, I'm look, Trust me, I'm on the hunt. So You trying to get on that Johnson & Johnson? I am. I, just one shot, let's get this gun. Let's go. Yeah, Yeah. just get on that Johnson & Johnson. Do you know in Mississippi right now, this is a true story, everybody's eligible, 18 and up. Come get your shot. Don't tell me these things. I saw a graphic today. Let me find this for you. I saw a graphic today that detailed total doses administered reported to the CDC by state um, per 100,000 of the total population. And you want to know know the best states? Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Texas. That cannot be true. I'm looking at the graphic. I'm fully vaccinated. (laughs) You're talking to a fully vaccinated man from Mississippi. I don't know what, like, we're terrible at everything except team pregnancy. We're great at team pregnancy and putting shots in arms. Why are we so good at putting shots in arms? I, I, I can't get a vaccine. I can't get a vaccination done because everyone in Connecticut wants to get one. So it's not available. So a heavy portion of the population is getting vaccinated. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not so sure that that data is right. I'm just saying. Your question. Uh, your question. If, if I graphic? can go down to if I can go down to Mississippi right now and get myself a shot in the arm, that would indicate that uh, th- there are not enough people that are older than me that have really gotten that accomplished. That's what I'm. I mean, if if you're if you're implying that GP, it sounds like you got a bunch of uh, uh, virus hoax folks down there. You're right. You're right. But we getting shots in arms down here in Mississippi. The home of Elvis Aaron Presley. Oh, by the way. Oh, no. Bill, my buddy Bill, one of the producers at CBS Sports, he's he's in Indianapolis. <laughs> and he, he was just walking through Indianapolis, and there is a marker in Indianapolis, and it says, this is the former site of Market Square Arena, where on June 26, 1977, Elvis Aaron Presley performed his final concert. Did you have any idea where you're going? Had no idea. And Are you going to go pay your respects? Probably not. Probably That's where not. Elvis Aaron Presley. This is obviously many years after he left UMass Lowell. Yeah, you know what? This is why I'm done with UMass Lowell forever, okay? You had your chance. You blew it. Go play in the city where Elvis Aaron Presley played his last show. I'm done with that school the dumbest pandemic though they keep talking about these variants i don't know what to do about it if you're not subscribed to the podcast please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts including apple podcast and we will talk to you again i don't know maybe maybe tomorrow maybe no, tonight i already told them when we're talking again i no, told them like we i'm just saying leave some wiggle room dead leg leave some wiggle room we, we you know something might something wild might happen Leave some wiggle room. But 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 at the latest, we will talk to you again late on Friday. Till then, take care.
This is Mark Sanchez, former NFL quarterback. As a quarterback, I've always had to communicate with players on and off the field. Now that I'm retired, I've traded huddles for headphones with my new show, Fourth and Forever. Every week, I'll sit down and talk football with some of the game's biggest stars. You'll get to know your favorite football personalities from the player's perspective. You can find Fourth and Forever on all major podcasting platforms. Subscribe now. At LL Flooring, the sales tax is on us. Save on a beautiful new floor, and we'll cover the sales tax on top of our already low prices. Choose from our wide selection of quality wood and waterproof floors. Plus, we'll cover the sales tax on everything in our stores March 17th through March 23rd. Lumber Liquidators is now LL Flooring. Visit llflooring.com for details. Valid only in Georgia and only at LL Flooring. Welcome to the Just Be a Man podcast. Please note, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Each individual is providing their own independent opinion. Follow, like, subscribe, and comment at Just Be a Man 2020 on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. Also, expect new content every week on your favorite podcast app including iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Music Podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and guests of Just Be A Man 2020, and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Five Nights Media, LLC, and its subsidiaries. Hello everyone and thank you for joining us again for Just Be A Man. Today, we've got the usual cast of characters and I will be your host today. This is Wayne and we want to talk about the balancing between two worlds. But first, we'd like to welcome everyone to the show today. We also like to uh, tell you to like, subscribe, and follow us on all of our social media platforms. Uh, we're everywhere. You can find us on any podcasting streaming service that you use. We're all over the place. It's Just Be a Man podcast. Just Be a Man podcast. And again, thanks for joining. So today we want to start with just kind of talk a little bit about a current topic and uh, a lot of people are talking about. So we just want to touch on it real quick. And I know everyone already heard about it, but it's Kurt Franklin and his 30 year old son. 33. 33 year old son. So, so right. Get it tight. Yeah. So, so Charles, you got any comments on this? Want to touch on this right quick? Yeah. The son needs his ass whooped, man. You know, for what he did to his pops, man, that's just, I was just foul all the way around. That's the bottom line. You know, um, I, I think that a lot of people, at least in the beginning, were coming down on Kirk a little bit, but now it swung way in the direction of bringing the smoke towards the sun. And rightfully so. He tried to set his dad up. He knew it would hurt him and um, he did it anyway. So as far as I'm concerned, he, he deserved all the smoke that he's getting, man. The only mm-hmm. thing Kirk Franklin did wrong was apologize. Yep, I agree with that. That's the only thing Kirk Franklin did wrong. So we got a bunch of fathers here. So these are some things that are re- definitely relatable. Mike, you got any comments on? Oh, you damn. God's property. Be- First of all, 
<laughs> sons of bitches. First of all, let me tell you something. Man, 30, the boy, 33 years old. First of all, he set his pops up. That evidently, the way things went down, they really got a serious, serious fracture in their relationship. And that's something that they should have dealt with outside of social media. Like you said, the son set him up, tried to hurt him. The son, the, something's going on with the son where he, if he wants to take it to the point where he wants to derail his father's career or do something to his career, there's something seriously wrong there. I mean, I understand what Kurt's saying. He's saying one thing, the son's saying another thing, the daughter's saying something. There's that story, your story, and then there's the truth. You understand what I'm saying? Grown so, ass man. Grown ass right. Man. So there's some things that need to be be straightened out uh, between the family, for real. And uh, I, I mean, I, I, I've been through, you know, situations like that. And I'm telling you right now, there's something seriously wrong with his son. He's feeling empty some kind of way. And uh, I understand Kurt is busy and doing his thing, but they need to square that away. Like really square it away somewhere off, off camera, off social media, go away somewhere. Both of them go away to Hawaii somewhere, walk on the beach, talk it out. Only wrestle, one of them fight, coming back. Do whatever. <laughs> right. alone. Only one of them coming back. One of them gonna be God's property for real. <laughs> <laughs> but they really need to work it out, though. That's all I gotta yeah. say. I, I yeah. think it's serious, like that. Yo, look, Steph, go ahead, go ahead, Chuck. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, you know, Kirk's getting a lot of flack because, at least from from what I'm seeing from the church folk, because he should have conducted himself better. You know, uh, a man of God uh, is not supposed to be using that kind of language, cursing nope. and this, that, and the other. Nope. And, and why not? Why not? He's a he's he is a he's a man first. Absolutely. He is yep. a father. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and and quite frankly, I think the Lord will understand. You, you, you know, no doubt. No uh, doubt. So I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Steph. What you got? Well, well first, uh sac passe to our Haitian Mazda. You know, just wanna um say hello to people from how many Haiti. pancakes you want? No, sac passe, you know, sac passe. What anyway. Okay. Oh. All right. Yeah, I'm, don't, I'm trying, don't be trying to go bilingual on us. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, hey, 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 they, they're just showing off, us, man. You know what so I'm saying? We need to, we need to at least say hello to them. So hey, we uh, shout out to you all listen. Thank you. Shout out to shout Haiti. Out to Haiti. Haiti right. in the house. I'm gonna try yeah. all the yeah. other places that that soak us up. That's right. Exactly. Uh, now, now back to Kurt Franklin. I, look, I'm a, a grandson of a preacher, and I never heard him cuss. But I know he could have gotten, you know, ghetto. He's he's a man first. And this is a 33-year-old man that's challenging his father. All right. Now, granted, they do have a family therapist. And part of it, they said that um, they're trying to reach the family therapist. But that was not put in the message that got out. Of course. You know, so, uh, yeah, this 33-year-old needs to grow up. He needs to um, find out what his issues are. They can work on it as a family. But really, you can cut him off at 33. Yeah, yeah. But, so, but you know what? Go ahead, go ahead, Wayne. I, I was gonna say real quick. I, I think you know we got five fathers here that have dealt with children at le- many levels. Different Maybe ages. not a not a thirty three year old necessarily, yeah. but you can. These kids will make you lose your religion in a second. All day yes, long. Oh, so, no doubt, all day man. Long. Absolutely. So you forget who you are. You turn into something else. So, so I know you know like the church people or whoever trying to act like holier than thou please and, hey, uh, this- you, shoot i could look at pastor jenkins from first pastor church of glen arden I, I know he cuss just because they choose not just because they choose not to don't mean they don't know how to Listen, so, the, the heard- fact of the matter is it was a private matter so right. 
listen, yeah. you know, he was out of pocket for recording it. Yeah. You know, that that is and the bottom line. I mean, it, it's clear that he was trying to set his pops up. That's what it was right, all about, right. man. It was premeditated. It was premeditated. Right. And the thing about it is, is that the way Kurt, if you listen to his voice and fathers know when you get to that scratchy part of your voice, you mean business. <laughs> Somebody was at their wit's end. You was oh, at yeah. your wit's end. When you, when you get it, when you're throwing <laughs> you already know. You had it. Right. So, so. Kurt had it with the nonsense. I guess the son had it with the nonsense, and he didn't know how to handle it. So, he, you know, unfortunately, he took the low road and, and did the recording thing. But everybody knows you get to that point. So evidently, there's something there. They got to work it out. And I don't hold anything against Kurt Franklin. He's a man first and an entertainer or, and, and a man of God and everything else. But my thing is that a father is a father. A human being is a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, but people in in the limelight are held at a different standard. And that's what our show is about, double standards. Well, let me let me, uh, let me just throw something out there real go quick. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, based on what Mike said. So, and, and he's 100% right. You know, they, they should try to work it out. But at 30, they, their relationship was already somewhat strained, obviously. At 33 years old, he set his father up, whatever. He knows his father's a public figure. Can they, can they come back from this? Can they repair this damage? Can that happen? Yeah. Yes, they they can, but it's going to take some time. Yeah, and and it's a trust. It's a trust issue. Yeah. Well, 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 what they have going in their favor, Chuck, is they have unconditional love. You know what I mean? It it's still a father son relationship. Mm -hmm. So although he hurt his father, yeah, absolutely, you could come back from it. But Mm -hmm. dude, he's got to show some humbleness. Now, now this isn't just you know, hey, me out and you to the family or whatever. This is he put this man on, on. you know, out internationally, mm-hmm. you know, it can no not question. only, we're not talking about damaging him financially. I'm talking about, you know, he, you know, if this had gone the wrong way, let's say mm-hmm. this, he is Kirk Franklin. He can't move, mm-hmm. you know, um, and your, your child did this to you. Pain. It's crazy. Man, it's pain crazy. pain will make just... you do some crazy stuff, bro. It's pain. Yes. I've dealt, dealt with, I've been dealing with, uh, you know, kids for a long time from the young 10 to 18 or whatever. Pain will have you doing some outrageous things, and nope, that's no what it boils down to: hurt yeah. and pain. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, you know, everyone's chimed in on this. I thought it made sense for us to kind of touch on this a little bit, and, and you know, I think everybody put in their little two cents, and so that's good. Um, so, listen. So, the topic for today, the topic for today is balancing between two worlds, double standards, whatever you want to call it. And so, what what I mean by this, and what we're talking about, is it, it's like learning to live, live on that line, right? So, so think about it. You first do this when you're a kid, right? And you like, um, you, you in elementary school or junior high school, and you first learning to cuss and be out there in the street cussing and you be <laughs> wilding out. But you, you know, when you bring your ass in the house, prim and proper. Yes, ma'am. Yes, no sir. So, so I'm saying, so you, you never slip up, right? Because you learning early that, yo, I could do this out here. I can't do that in there. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a different thing. So so I'm going to start with you, Steph. And uh, I'm going to say, you know, your, your career, your career has been in the military and as an officer moving, moving through the ranks and everything. So so talk a little bit about walking that line, about being a black person and also tr- having to deal with someone knowing that they they might not necessarily want you there and proving that you belong there. Talk about that a little. Well, I'll tell you, my experience was I normally was the only black person in the room, at least at the officer level. 
Uh, every once in a while, I may have another uh, compadre, but normally I was the only black person. So I had to walk the line where uh, I couldn't use slang words. I couldn't, um, you know, reflect or, you know, brag about my HBCU. You know, I just went to a school, which happened to be an HBCU. I couldn't say it was the best um, or even better than the probably white institutions. Um, th there were a lot of times where I wasn't welcome in the room and it was made known that I wasn't welcome in the room, but I made a way in the room anyway. Um, you know, because it, it was really, it, it could be challenging. Um, you know, I've had experience where, um, matter of fact, and this is one that really touched me as a second lieutenant, um, as I was on an airborne mission down at Fort Benning, Georgia, it was during uh, airborne school. Uh, I made a mistake. Now I'm on an aircraft flying at about 1500 feet, getting ready to jump out the aircraft. And I made a mistake. And the safety happened to be an E5, which is an enlisted guy, a young sergeant. He said to me, fucking nigger. Now, I was a second lieutenant. Um, and, it, and, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, I could, you know, I could report this guy. I could damage his career, things of that nature. But at the same time, this guy could cut my, cut my um, cord and mess <laughs> me up and possibly kill me. And, you know, since then, whenever I hear the word, you know, directed towards me, um, nigga or whatever, it still bothers me. But so, you know, I, I have to, you know, I have to, I had to walk that double standard, even though, you know, uh, I had the right to report him, but I had to walk that double standard because, you know, he could have killed me at the same time. Okay. All right. All right, Chuck. Chuck, so now your experience is a little bit different, right? So you, you worked in it as an entrepreneur, so you, you got a lot of things against you, right? You, 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 you buy yourself in a lot of areas. So speak about some of the things that made it difficult for you and, you know, you're trying to still be who you are, but you got to do what you got to do to get where you're trying to go. Oh, <clears throat> sure. Um, best way to say this is... Um, you know, you're in business, right? You're in business to make money. Uh, but not only that, uh, you got to pay the bills, put, keep the lights on and all that. Um, people, friends wanting to hook up. You know, mm. you're in mm. business. Uh, hey, man, can I, can I get a sandwich? This is, you know, no, yeah, it costs, you know. Oh, come on, we, we boys. Now, nah, look, I got to look, bro. I love you. That'll never change. But I'm in business. I have employees who depend, you know what I'm saying? So I, that's where I have to draw the line. There's your friend, Chuck, and then there's business, Chuck. Uh, you know, it's, so it's, it's more like instances like that for me yeah, where I've had yeah. to, you know, and, and it's not about cutting anybody off. It's not about, um, um, it's about, you know. But yeah, even, even non-friends, Chuck, I mean, Think about some of your customers that would come into your establishment asking for samples and things of that nature oh, yeah. when yeah. they wouldn't dare do that uh, with the restaurant next door. Yeah, but, I've had I can't tell you how many of those uh, situations that I've had. There should have been uh, there should have been boundaries, man, automatically. Yeah. You know, they should they not they not understand the assumption. They not understand the margins. The assumption, that's my boy. 
Well, well, that's most most boy. people most people don't, right? You know, uh, the best things in life are free. You know, that's what yeah. they always tell you. And you know, yeah. hey, and if that's if that's my boy, you know, that's my boy. I, my boy hooked me up, right? Yeah, okay. When we're younger, and you know, we're working at I'm working at uh, you know Seven Eleven, and you trying to get a, that's different. All right, uh, go ahead, man. I, I won't charge you for that. that but when we're, we're older now, we're grown. OK, we have families, we have mortgages, we have, you know, and you're still coming saying, hey, man, um, give me the hookup. You know, we just have to do better. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I had to I had okay. to draw that line. And uh, I never it was never, you know, um, I was never uh, hostile or angry, anything like that. But I, I have had to have several conversations with uh, a few people, uh, not mind you. Notice I just said I've had to have several conversations with a few people habitual mm. offenders. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you have to do that when, you, when you're an entrepreneur. You have to, you know, because uh, we've had this conversation before. My paycheck is not guaranteed, right? So um, if you're working for the government or you're nine to five, you know, you know, every week or every two weeks, you have a certain amount of money coming in so you can pay your bills, you put your kids in school. And as right. an entrepreneur, you know, um, you don't know that. Yeah, so, yeah. so, so every, I mean, it's, it's really true. You know, every dollar helps Yeah. and okay. every dollar and every dollar not earned hurts. Yeah. How about that? Okay. Now, I right, think, it, it, but, but I think, ahead, can you hear me? Yeah. yeah, yeah go ahead, Mike. I, um, I think, uh, you know, once again, it goes back to boundaries, man. It's like, if I come to patronize your shop, I know you, my man and everything. I'm going to come every day because I like the food, whatever. If I order a 12 piece wing, and you having to throw 14 in there and I get home like, oh, here's me. I'm I'm not expecting that, but I'm gonna keep patronizing. But if that's our relationship and that's what you want to do, if that's our thing, then so be it. But it shouldn't come in like, yo, you gave me 14 last time, why you give me 14 this? That's right. not how it goes. And some people need to understand those boundaries when it comes to different yeah. things like that. Yeah, and that yeah. And, and that's actually happened, and that's become expected, unfortunately. Yep. The yeah. new norm. Oh, the sweet. new norm. Yep. So Mike, Mike, yeah, in, in your line of work. Uh, you know, obviously a little bit different, the corrections and, right. you know, you count on one another, right? In there because right. stuff could get serious, right? So, so speak about that a little bit, you know, where you got to be Mike, 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 the employee versus Mike from New Haven. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a double standard when it comes to executing your job, um, how you're, you become the leader one day, you're the one post and you're the one who run the unit. And people act a certain way you got to chase them down where you going where you going my man i'm going on break there you gonna let somebody know what's up ah uh, come on man why you acting like but when they're the one post you know they hey can you come down hey can you i'm like yo you can call my name like five times i said listen if you're gonna do that we need to do the same thing there can't be a double standard if i'm gonna work the way you want me to work then you got to work the way i need you to work you know what i mean and, yeah. and it goes both ways like that but i think the double standard for me was that i think what ha happened to help me out is that you got to know when to turn it on and turn it off. You know, just like when we go outside and we with our boys, we hanging out, we talk that issue, whatever we get inside, we're respectful with the fam and everything else. Same thing with the job. There's certain etiquettes that you have to do. And we learned that when we were little, mm -hmm. you don't act like mm -hmm. that. How many times we, we didn't got pinched or, or, or got tightened up because you know better than that. How many times we'd have heard that? You know, you know, you don't act like that out there with me, whatever. How many times we know. So it, it's ingrained in me not to act a certain way. I know how to act when we're together, but when we're around, you know, like I said, if I come, you know, hang out and we together and we all talking ish to each other, I know I'm not going to talk that same ish if I'm in the presence of, 
of the fam because you know they might not understand it. They might misconstrue it or whatever, but they know we're crazy. But I think there's a um, there's a level, there's boundaries to the double standard. But I, I think that um, you just have to be focused on what you need to do. There's going to be double standards no matter where you go. Even in the professional realm, you'll see how certain people are treated differently than other people. As Charles talked about in his executive career, the same thing when it comes to that certain people are let uh, able to do certain things. Can I go in the kitchen? I need to grab something for this kid. Uh, no, you can't do it. 15 minutes later, you're on the unit, somebody bringing up some waffles for themselves. I'm like, how the hell you get, oh, such a let me in the kitchen. Ain't this a bit, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it, you know, but you gotta, you gotta know when to let things ride and when not to ride. But I think it, it's good when you're well-rounded, you, you know how to um, navigate the double standard. You know what I mean? All because right. we're so used to it in life, you know? Yep. All right, like that, like that. So, so Charles, you know, you come from the corporate background, uh, corporate America, a little bit like me. So, speak on, speak on. You talked before about having, you know, how someone of the same persuasion kind of held, kind of held you back. But how is it walking into those boardrooms and and you're the only face in there? Yeah, I mean that that's basically been the case for the majority of my career, um, unfortunately. Um, you sort of catch it. And we know what the deal is with corporate America, man. You have to be 10 times better than everybody else in order to even be in that boardroom. You know what I mean? So, and even then your credentials are always in question. You know, I remember when I first got promoted, I was up against um, uh, some members of the other persuasion uh, going up for the job. And it came down to me and this, uh, this white woman. Now, here I am with two college degrees, um, heavily credentialed within the company, um, excellent results, things of that nature. And I'm up against this, uh, this white woman who doesn't even have a degree at all. So when you think about everything else being equal, that automatically made me more qualified than she was. But you better bet when I got that position, I was still sort of looked at with a side eye as to why didn't this individual get the job over me? You know, so that is just, you know, that that's the norm. But, you know, you have to get in, you have to prove yourself and you have to be, um, you know, worthy of the position that you find yourself in. But there's always pressure. I mean, you get it from both sides of the equation. You get it from your own and you get it from them. So so let me ask you this. Let's let's move just a little bit away from that. So so. We, we all talked about moving between these, these worlds and it's not easy, but it's kind of expected, right? So it's not like you can't deal with it, but like, just, just thinking about your psyche, how you feel when like, like, let's say you're trying to, uh, you're applying for a new job or you, you on the phone with a credit card company or you want a bank loan or whatever it is, how, how, what they say, you know, you, you put on your, you put out your best, but you put on your white voice. Code switch. Yeah, you flip. So we have the ability to flip that switch. Like, right. all right, yo, you can't be talking crazy because you try and get a loan. Right? Yeah, but 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 you have to. I mean, speaking of the loan situation, there was a couple, and I forget what state it was in. They had their um, their house up for sale. Yep. Okay, and they actually put a white person out in front eventually to pretend like the house was theirs. And the house appraised for like a ridiculous amount of money uh, higher than it did when, yeah, yeah, when it was actually being uh, sold, um, you know. To them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it it was ridiculous. So in one instance, 
you know, you think it's it's black folks that are selling his house and the numbers stay low. And then the same exact house being sold by a white person, it, it skyrockets. So, yep. I mean, we're, we're dealing with this in all aspects of our lives. And it's um, it's it's like, you know, how do you coach your kids through that? You know, that that's the dilemma that we all face day in and day out. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's important stuff, though, you know. And so th- the next statement I want to pose to everybody, anyone kind of jump <clears throat> in here. But so <clears throat> so this and your there's a separation between your economic life versus your social life. Right. So the way you get your money, you got to act a different way than maybe the way you hang out. Right. So so let's talk a little bit about your personal style. Right, the, the your clothing, your 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 hair, your uh, your walk, your talk. Let's talk about that a little bit. So now, think about like this, Mike. So you you go into a job, you in corrections, right? And so corrections is is, is a little bit uh, uh, you know, it's a little rougher, right? So th- they talk slick out there, right? But now you move into a school situation where it's a lot more prim and proper. Mm-hmm. Right. So you got to, you know, you got dressed different. Right. You can't get away with the same cl- clothing. So talk about that a little bit. Well, I hate to say it, but I'm a poster child for Eddie Bauer. <laughs> you know, well, I got the khakis. You got your business casual on. I got the, the Thursday boots on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my thing. But I think uh, they weren't expecting that because uh, when I where I was, I the people that I'm working with. um. I guess they've been there long enough where they wear what they want to wear, but I guess you're supposed to be, you know, you, you're supposed to stay uh, casually dressed up until Friday that you can wear your jeans or whatever. When I came in there, I didn't know, you know, I never worked in the public sector. So I come in there, you know, I got the khakis, the shoes, I'm the sweaters, I'm wearing the, the thermals, the Eddie bar, this, that, whatever. Um, but uh, I don't think they were looking, they would look at me like, damn, every day you, you come in like this every day. I'm like, well, I thought that's what you do. Cause I wore a uniform for 21 years. I didn't know. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, I'm Doc Martin. I mean, I, I, what can I say? My thing is that I feel good because it doesn't feel like a uniform. I'm really feeling comfortable. But uh, I think it, it it says a lot about me, how I project myself, how the kids look at me. And I see the way, and we deal with kids of all different flavors and, and, and sizes and, and uh, like I said, mental capabilities. And even the ones that's on the rougher side of the building, as we say, when they see me, I say, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, good. You know, we talking. You know, I, I talk to them a little bit, whatever. But they're looking at you. They look at you up and down. They're like, you know, they see me and they don't say anything. But I, I think they say, OK, you know, you know, he, he's with the program, whatever. But he still got his flair. You know, I still got my flair. I can still talk to him, you know, or talk up to him or, or, or deescalate him the way I need to. But I don't let it um, affect me too much. But I would say it's a bit it was a big change for me for, from coming from uh, 21 years of wearing a uniform to actually wearing regular clothes. It was really kind of weird. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. And I had to get used to it. But once I did, I know there was a certain way I needed to project myself. So I didn't have a problem with, with what I was wearing, how I was doing, because whether people thought I was overdressed and it wasn't really like, you know, casual, but I think people like every day, damn, except for Friday, you know, he might wear a little something, but every day, you know, this dude is, you know, killing me because everybody wearing jeans they wearing sweatshirts or whatever. And I'm coming with the, with the college shirt or whatever. They're like, who is this dude? You know what I mean? But I think it says a lot about how I was raised. You know, you, you, if you're going to fit the part, you you know, you wear your clothes, you, 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 you know, 
Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, so Steph, similar, right? You, you, you were in a, in a suit, uh, excuse me, in a uniform for many years. Yeah. No, no question about it. Um, you know, I was 22 years, uh, seven months, eight days, but I was never counting. <laughs> <laughs> but re- really, yeah. I, once I switched over, uh, you know, I became known as a bow tie guy and that kind of helped me, you know, cause I, I stood out from the rest. You know, and, and, and people respected the fact that I came in with a, a bow tie that was not a clip one. I mean, this was a hand-rolled bow tie by myself. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Go on you with know. your bad self. Exactly. Yes, sir. But, hey, before we get uh, uh, keep moving, one of our um, viewers talked about being young, black, gifted in technology as a female. And then she went on to say, sure, keep me brief like I have so many. There's so many meetings where I've had white peers trying to overtalk me or discount solutions I provided. So, of course, when I have to look them dead in the eye and clear my throat and make sure they heard me, then they have to evade the loud um, black lady monitor. I have found solutions. I have had teammates ask me, how did I find that? I'm like, what do you mean? Why didn't you? So, you know, we have challenges, but it's even harder for our sisters. No No doubt. No doubt. Absolutely. No doubt. Competency, just everything. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Hit on both sides. So, so Steph, let me let me stay with you, right? So we talked about the the personal style. So, so what about the? So another thing, right now, since you've been out of service, you rocking the facial hair. That's correct. Because you couldn't do that before. That is correct. The full full of brush man. (laughs) 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 Someone (laughs) on the podcast called me Comet. You know. Hilarious. So, so what's up with that? Well, you know, it's just now I don't have that restriction. Um, now, I, I think a couple times it's held me back for some positions because now, you know, I'm not clean shaven like you know, Walt Disney World, things of that nature. But it's just self-expression now. Um, you know, and it's an opportunity for me just to live my life the way I want to um, and, and, and rock the beard. I still have a high and tight, you know, it's cut close to the side so you know i could assimilate in the military in a heartbeat but it's just one of those standards i was able to overcome once i retired okay I uh, so chuck yes, I'm sorry, i know you had a comment but i was going to ask you something real quick uh-huh. so chuck you, you you have a son the age i have same age as me mm-hmm. uh your son comes to you and says you know i, I want to start rocking these braids pop right before mm-hmm. i graduate mm-hmm. what do you say um i say do you now, of course, I give my son, and we're all old school, right? And we we have this concept of what um, corporate world and, and let's be honest, white corporate world wants to see. And they don't want to see us coming in there wearing braids. Um, <clears throat> I'm, uh, I think I, I'd, like to, I, I'd like to think that I've grown. Back in the day, not too long ago, I would have said to him, hey, son, you know, wearing braids in the workplace, you know, uh, it's going to be frowned upon. You might want to try to conform as awful as that sounds. That's what we do to try to get our place, you know, to, I guess, to level the playing field in the workforce. Um, but I've changed. And I think uh, society is slowly changing. Um, and I would tell my son, be your authentic self. Uh, if you decide that you want to wear braids, wear braids. Understand that it, it's, it, it's possibly going to be a hindrance to, uh, depending on the, the field you choose, whatever. Um, but I'm, I'm of the mindset now you have to allow these kids to grow. 
you have to allow people to be who they are. Um, and I kind of look back at myself and I feel like, you know, I was kind of forced into a, a path that I wasn't necessarily mine to take. Um, and I don't want that for my kids. Okay. So uh, I've grown a little bit. And uh, so I would tell them, hey, you want to wear braids? You wear, wear the hell out of them. You wear the best goddamn braids you can wear. But understand, your dad may be a little more progressive. Uh, corporate America may not have caught up to us yet. So govern yourself accordingly. All right. So, Chuck, right before I asked you that, you was about to say something else. Um, I, and I totally forgot. My bad. My bad. My bad. <laughs> nah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, so let me, let me say this. I mean, this is for myself when we talk about um, what you wear to work, right? So I, I, like Charles, I've been in the, I've been in corporate world for quite a bit. And and I, I, as a consultant, project manager, kind of a person, and I don't know when it was, let's say 10 years ago or so business casual was the new hot thing. When business casual first came out, I wasn't like I, I didn't have the khakis. I didn't have this. I wore suits. When I started, it was suits and ties. So that's what I, so, so to me, when I went to business casual, I took off the tie. That, that was it for me. But I always did that. I was always, that's how I went to work, right? And that became my thing. And I used to have coworkers or even people, my superior on a project saying to me, you know, you don't have to wear a suit. But I still wore a suit. And, and, and you know what it did is it made them step their game up. When we sit at the table, <laughs> people look to me instead Absolutely. of them Absolutely. because they see because of the way I was dressed. And so that stuff matters. Now, Chuck, I hear what you're saying about being progressive with your son and all that. But see, to me, I look at a little bit different. And this is, I guess, the old school thing is because I'm, I'm trying to remove any barrier I can from in front of them. These cats have no idea what they're about to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm like, look. Yeah. My brother came to me one time when he was a little bit younger and he went to an interview and he had these little braid things in his hair and everything. And he came back all mad because they was judging him. I was like, but they got the job. Yeah. Is that is their company? They right. get to say what's right. good and what's not good. Right. So I'm just that's just my opinion. But I, but I feel you. And that's the right thing. That's exactly the right thing to do what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that's a hard that's hard for me. Well, yeah, you you know the old saying, dress for success. I mean, that that goes for your hair as well. I mean, it's your your whole appearance. It's all about grooming. Uh, and any particular uh, potential company that you may want to interview for, you should know their standards. Uh, and that's what I would tell them, tell my son. Look, you have to know your audience. So yeah. you know, if you you're gonna go in here to this Fortune 500 company, let's say, and these these elder older white men and women are gonna look at you and say, Nah, Tyrone, you know. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, but what, that, what we're talking about, we live in, unfortunately. It, it is the world we live in, but we're talking about a level of conformity. Yeah. And we aren't the only race that has to conform. Everyone oh, yeah. has to conform no to the professional zone. You know what I, I mean? Like and that includes white people as mm-hmm. well. They can't come in to corporate America looking any kind of way, talking any kind of way. No you doubt. know what I mean? I mean, a lot of times we equate corporate America to a sort of quote unquote white standard, but I've never downplayed my blackness in any corporate setting at all. I've just been me. I've dressed the way I wanted to dress that made me comfortable. And that's the bottom line. If if they couldn't get with it, they couldn't get with it. But you all know me. I don't talk a lot of slang anyway. You know what I mean? Pretty much what you see is what you get with me. So I'm not like 
going through these plateaus, this roller coaster right. ride of of emotions, mm-hmm. dealing with people in and out of these courtrooms. I'm just I'm just Charles, mm-hmm. and that's the way I deal with them. Period. Right. And so, well and when I when I mentor people, when I'm coaching people, even when I talk to my my sons, my children, I talk to them about being in the professional zone. Okay, so that's not black, that's not white, that's nope. not Chinese. That's just professional. So if you can operate within, yeah, exactly. It's like home training. So if you can operate within that zone of professionalism and do it consistently, then, I mean, I said this to one bro, I said, if you cannot handle your business for eight hours of a day, then you don't deserve to be in that position. That's the bottom line. So that, that's the way I look at it. Okay. All right. So now that's good, Charles. So, so let's, let's switch it a little bit. Right. So, so far we've been talking about assimilating or going into dealing with that standard. So let's, let's flip it the other way. So everybody here has a level of success um, in, in their own right. So now what happens, what happens when you go back to, you know, maybe your old neighborhood or to just like, you know, fam- visiting family in other neighborhoods where you know it's it's a little a little grimier. Now what, Mike? Now what? You go you going well, back and you going back out there in uh, New Haven. You know you know you throw your Tims on and your your hoodie. Now what? Yeah. Well, the thing about I go back and visit my brother. You know, and you know you know my brother's he's still out there every now and then. You know he got one foot out there still. And uh, I go hang out with him and, you know, I smell this, I smell that, I hear this or whatever. I just got to be me. You know what I mean? And I think for me, I'm going to tell you right now, for some reason, the way I project myself, conversations are really short. Like if my brother, they talking that slang craziness. I'm like, yeah, I know what you're saying, you know, whatever. And they in this, in that. And I'm like, uh huh, okay, cool. You know, whatever, you know, and, and I'm, I'm keeping it, a, you know, just straight conversation, whatever. I'm not yelling, screaming, whatever. They were like, man, listen, he, he, he ain't with us. You know, yeah, he's not yeah. with us. Uh, and, you know, my brother, like, all right, let me talk to my brother over here. We got it, whatever. So we step over to the side. We talk briefly. But I think um, there's a certain persona that you exhibit when you come. The people know that, okay, I can talk to talk. But now the way, um, you know, we have a handle a conversation, you know, and we talk and we'll keep, we converse, as they say, um, it's very limited. It's very limited. I think people talk to you for a while and then they get the gist that you're not the same dude you used to be. You know, right, you're really right, about right. your business. You brought yourself up a level. You know, you're doing big things. You know, the family. Oh, where you been at? Where you live at? We're now, we know, I'm up here. Oh, why are you way up there? It's not a It's not a point why I'm way up there. You know, that's where I decided to land. You know, but the thing about it is I'm here to visit whatever. And I, I, I find out a lot when you go to certain areas and, and talk to different people. I think after a while, uh, they get a gist of whether they can, um, whether they want to interact more or not, you know, and I, I feel that sometimes when I go to certain places, um, the conversations are very limited because people are still in that same space 30 years ago. I'm not in that space yeah. anymore. When they start talking that nonsense, I'm like, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that was back then. Well, anyway, listen, man, I love you, brother. I got to go. I'll, <laughs> right, I'll end it quick. Yeah. I'll end it quick because I, I don't got time for it. Remember when you used to, I mean, listen, you know, I love you, brother, but I got to go. Cause you, you know, I'm trying to come see how you're doing. I heard you got sick and you want to talk about something that happened in high school. Some dudes just can't get out of that realm and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, yeah, so that's true. Yeah. So, so Steph, so you know how they talk about your, you know, lose, you don't want to lose your black card. Ain't going to be back loud back at the BET meeting. So, 
so so again, right? This is this is making sure wherever your environment is or whatever your environment is, you're ready for it. As Charles said, be professional, but you got to be professional kind of at different ways. So Steph, how you deal with that when you when you get into some of the more grimy areas? Let, well, does, let, let me let me take a step back. Let, let's not make it grind because that's that's not right. Let me not say it like that. Right. How does how do you act when you go out there in the yard at homecoming? Well, when you're around all your peoples. Um, actually, I kind of avoid most of my peoples on the yard during homecoming because you know I, I've I've learned to separate myself from uh, trouble. At least I try my best to. And and the key thing where I'm going with this is that uh, you guys are pretty much my friends. I, I don't have anybody else except my wife is, you know, of course, my wife is my best friend. Hey, honey. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, really, I, I disassociated myself with people because I wanted to be at a certain level. I didn't want to have to dumb myself down. You know, I can still speak and be cordial, but we really can't have a conversation. You know, and I actually have some family members like that. We really can't have a conversation besides hi, bye, how's your mom's, and other than that, um, because I want to be at a certain level. I want someone that's going to meet me there and bring me up even higher. So that's okay. how I do it. Okay. All right. So, Charles, I want to go a little bit different here, right? So, so there's a couple of industries where people can completely express themselves, right? If you look in as an athlete in sports mm-hmm. or you look at even music business, you know, these dudes got tats everywhere on their face, on their head, they wilding out, right? But they're in a position where they are their own brand. They are not dependent on nobody to make, well, they're dependent on a lot of people, but the way they look, the way they carry themselves, if they could be wearing anything. And this, and again, this goes on the white side too. They, mm-hmm. the, the, those rockers, they'd be wilding out too. So that's, right. that's your entertainment. That's your, your music and your, uh, that's your music and your sports. But like, if you look at Hollywood, it's not like there's no really bad boys in Hollywood. Right. There's some standards in Hollywood. Like there's nobody who's out there who's wilding out. So what do you think about that? Why, why, why is Hollywood where you have actors who are supposed to be deep thinkers and all this other stuff? How come they don't seem to be out there like your musicians, your music people or even your athletes? Uh, you know, Hollywood is nothing more than a microcosm of society. Right which means that they're wilding out just like everybody else is. It's maybe they're not doing it in such a way where it's public, but they are. You know what I mean? Every Everybody has has something going on that they don't want everybody else to see. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, the way I look at it is, um, you know, to, to, to answer your question, I think it's, um, I think, Hollywood, in a lot of ways, is very pretentious. You know, there are a lot of folks that are out there bringing forth their representative. They're trying to pretend to be something that they're not. And I think if, if you know, these other people that you described in sports and things of that nature, they're trying to be true to their authentic selves. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, that's where everybody needs to be. You need to be true to yourself. You need to be able to look yourself in the mirror and like what you see, like what you're dealing with, because you have to deal with you day in and day out. And so that, that that's just the way I see it, man. I yeah. think people can, can, 
can spot a fake a mile away. So when you talk about going in and out of these venues and being one way and then being a different way over here, man, if you're not authentic, people know that about you, you know? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But I think that I think there is wiggle room. I think there is a line that people have to walk. And I do think that um, I think people want to be authentic to themselves. But then, as I was talking about before, you know, there's that social you, which is that inner you or whatever. And then there's that economic you. What what would you be willing to do to hurt your money? You know, I, I look at it like Charlie Sheen and Johnny Depp. Back in the day, back in the 80s, they were wilding out. I mean, just completely wilding out. And Hollywood accepted it. Let me me say this, Steph. I mean, I got you. I don't mean to cut you off for that. But when I was talking about Hollywood not... I talked. I talked about Hollywood in their appearance. Like they, they have this look, as opposed to all tatted up and doing whatever they want because of the way that works. But go ahead with your, with, with what you're saying. I'm sorry. Where I'm going with this is the fact that now they're starting to be canceled. You know, the the tolerance level, at least in Hollywood, is much lower for wild and out people. So you really have to be undercover. So can I you know say that? something? Yeah. Oh. Go, ahead, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say that uh, when it comes to those tattoos and everything, a lot of these dudes are self-aware and a lot of the ladies are self-aware. They know what route, which direction they're going. They know they can't take the tats back. So they already have it in their mind. This is what I'm doing and I'm going to do it till the wheels fall off and then and let the chips fall where they may. Um, and, and I think there, there's, there's a certain area that they know they're going to go into and they're okay with that because nobody's going to do this the, the tattoo on the face and the neck and you then you expect to go in the corporate world unless unless you know there's some type of entryway for you to get in there, or whatever. I think when people do that type of stuff, I don't necessarily say in, um they're bad boy or bad girl. I think it's the way they express themselves. And some people are willing to express themselves all the way to the neck. Other people won't go above the chest. You know what I mean? So I mean it all depends on your awareness. Are you aware of what you plan on doing? Or are you unaware? It all depends on on uh, which way you're going. You know, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at. And in Hollywood. Like you said, who's phony, who's fake? Those are the type of people I hate. You don't know. People mm-hmm. are acting all the time. You don't know who to trust. So you have to be aware of yourself. And I think that bad boy image, eh, I think that's getting old. Because like Steph said, the standards are changing. And a lot of people are pressing people who are trying to be these bad boys. Why are you being bad? What are you doing to people? Now they're trying to follow you around, waiting for you to the next shoe to drop. So you got to be careful with all that type of stuff. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, Chuck. I was just going to say the Justin Bieber's and the Chris Brown's they're, they're 10 years older now. All right. So mm-hmm. they're out, they got kids now, they're, you know, yep. they're, they're trying to settle down and have really, so they're not wilding out anymore. Those, those are the bad boys that some that we're kind of talking about. And then with the tattoos and all that, um, you know, if you're a multimillionaire, you can get tattoos all over. It's not going to affect you. You know, you're, you're good. But if you're still part of the working class or whatever, you know, you know, you can't get tattoos all over your face, especially if you plan on working in corporate America because it's frowned upon. Um, so, you know, there's, there's code switching in every aspect of life, society, you know, it's all it is. You know, you, you put on um, Hollywood, just use it for an example. The whole premise of Hollywood is, is code switching. It's acting, right? You're acting like something else. Um, so, um, hell, I lost my train of thought, but you understand where I'm going with. <laughs> so, I, hey, I hey it was about it was about to get deep. I could tell it, it was, was about to get it deep. Was. So, so listen, <laughs> a, couple, 
a few weeks back, uh, we did an episode on uh, what we call the Black Utopia. And we talked about all these different things, right? And so if you haven't heard that one, please go back, check us out, jbampod.com, all your social media areas. But uh, so let me ask this. I want everyone to answer this question. So let's say, so we know that right now that Jay-Z is a billionaire, that uh, uh, Kanye is a billionaire. So let's say tomorrow they opened up Rock Nation Bank. And when you went into Rock Nation Bank, it looked like it was in a building like any other bank, but it looked more like the 4040 Club. They had the they had ESPN, hip hop music, and everybody working there looked like your cousins from the cookout. You walk in this bank, you go in there and put in $25,000 in this bank? Probably I'm gonna not. start with, all right, Chuck, go ahead, start with you. Because I mean, you know, uh, first impressions are everything, and then I mean, that it doesn't that doesn't change. For, I mean, you still want uh, you know first impression says a lot. You know, if I'm going to do business with you, can I uh, interact with you? All of that, yeah. If I, if I come in there, I, you know, I see you know my man over here on the grill, you know, handing out plates and taking deposits. No, I got a problem. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm, I'm probably gonna go down the street, but I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, yeah, appearance right. is everything. I, I, I feel what you, I feel, yeah, I feel okay. what you're saying. All right. Hey, Mike, same question. You you putting uh, you putting your twenty five in? in? Oh no doubt. I'll go in. I want to know about the twenty five. I had to vet them first. You know, I go in there. I would talk to a few people. <clears throat> you know, customer service. See what they're talking about. Look at some paperwork. I give. I would give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm that dude. I always give somebody the benefit of the doubt because you can't judge a book by a cover. That might be the the fake out move. They might want you to think that it may look that way. But everybody might be that Princeton dude or whatever that financial you don't know. So give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe the same one's robbing you, right? All right. Listen, listen, give them benefit of the doubt and and, and give me just one rib. Steph. You know, know, I I think about it. If they're FDIC insured Mm -hmm. and I get a better interest rate than I can get at Bank of America or another bank. No, no. Everything's the same. Everything's the same. Uh, uh, Well, then... I may not give him twenty five thousand. I may give him ten thousand, and see where we go from there. As long as it's FDIC insured, why not? There you go. And I agree with Mike. I want more than one rib, though. I want. Yeah. I need a brisket sandwich. Hi, <laughs> hi, right, Ch- right, Charles. They over there by the ATM sh- machine shooting craps. What you doing? Oh man, come on now. That I mean, there, there's no professionalism in that. You know what I mean? There ain't, ain't no way in hell I'm, I'm doing that. Now, now, granted, I want to support black businesses, but what, you des- what you're describing is just something just over the top. I mean, shooting dice by the ATM Charles, machine. Come on, man. I'm being extreme for a reason, hey. though, for real. Charles going to go to the door and go, oh, hell no, and turn back around and get back in the car. <laughs> Are you going to greet us with a glass of Kool-Aid? Hey, hey, nah, this is what I do. I'll bank with them online. How about that? Yeah. (laughs) So, nah, I was being being ridiculous on purpose, right? And it it was just what I was really trying to say is that there are standards that we do. So now you get to a certain level and you got money. I said 25 grand, but a grand is something to somebody, right? So you're going to put your money somewhere. Like, so for me, now nah, I'm not probably not putting my money in there, but I'll sit down and ask for a loan. <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> Say they got money. Hey, you, don't know, money. Hey, listen, you, hey, you don't know if you don't try, right? Hey, hey. hey. So, hey, um, 
I, I want to kind of wrap it up here, fellas. And, you know, I want to know if anybody had any final thoughts on this balancing between the two worlds and, and any, any words of wisdom we might want to drop on the young heads or, or anything we want to share with our audience. Anyone. The double, yeah, the double standard exists. You just need to understand how to balance it. It can be done. We, we're living proof that you can balance the double standard. It's not fair, but it is what it is. So you got to push forward. Okay. Facts. Okay. Anyone else? Yeah. I mean, my, my, well, my thing is whatever environment you're in, just help to bring somebody else up. You know, I've, I've been in so many situations. I've seen people that get theirs and then they forget where they came from. Mm-hmm. You know, I think once you elevate to a certain level, I think it's so important for you to to reach back and to help somebody else because nine times out of 10, someone helped you yep. and whatever they need to do to maneuver. I mean, and, and and even if the person doesn't ask, because sometimes we see the roadblocks in someone else's way. You know what I mean? And I think it's important that we reach out to help remove those things. If you see a brother or sister going down the wrong path in in your environment where you work, pull them to the side, school them a little bit, help them out. You know, don't just look at it as a situation where I got mine, they got to get theirs. So I'll just, I'll just, I would say, I would say the biggest wake up call and we've been dealing with this for a long time. I mean, I come from a multicultural family and whether people want to talk about it, they don't want to talk about it. I got people from the whole spectrum in my family. You know, we talking about Colombian, white, Peruvian, black, the whole diaspora, whatever they call it, however they call it. I might be pronouncing it wrong, my bad. But after the Capitol, that was one of the biggest, we knew stuff was double standard. But after that, that was very frustrating from an 80-year-old on down because of the stuff that they seen that they had to deal with. And now, you know, you have to deal with it. So I'm just saying to any of the younger folks coming up, the, 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 the young ladies and the young men, there's always going to be a double standard. You just have to do your best. Will you have to work twice as hard? Maybe, maybe not. But you should always have that focus anyway. You should always try to work twice as hard, whether it's a double standard or not, because, you know, you should be about your business because, like I said, that reflects of who you are. And um, I would just say, keep your head up, be aware. And if you don't know, ask, you know what I mean? And uh, just do what you need to do. Okay. All right. Chuck, any, any parting words of wisdom? Uh, is this, uh, we, does this drop the mic or we going to do drop the mic? No, we're going to, we're going to do drop the mic in just a second. Yeah. I'll hold off and drop the mic. All right. So, Hey, uh, one other thing I just wanted to say, you know, all of us come from, uh, an experience in an HBCU. And, and so it was an opportunity for us to kind of learn about the work <laughs> Morgan State. I'm showing, I'm showing my, our HBCU, at least one of them. So So, so, you know, going to going to a black college is a good thing. Right. And it's for a black person. And and I'm just saying it it took away a lot of those things that we talked about walking those walking that line because everybody is there's no one else there to kind of put against you. Right. That you're not you know what I mean? It's a very level playing field. And so that's a good opportunity, a good environment to learn. So I, I think. For anybody, this is not just for black people, this is for any minority. And as Charles mentioned, right. which is very true, very, very true, you know, as a white person, you can't you can't just show up for an interview all tatted up in ripped jeans. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's a standard, it's a United States of America 
corporate America kind of standard. But but you have to. It's the it's it's a game, and if you're going to be involved in the game, you got to know the rules. It's really that simple. The only alternative is if you get into a position like a Chuck and a as an entrepreneur, where you can do your thing, where your product, your service is what it is, and people could care less what you look like, how you dress, what you wear, you know, all that stuff. So. Those are my, my final words on that. And I want to move really quickly into our drop the mic segment. We don't have a whole lot of time, but I'd like to uh, give everybody an opportunity to say a couple quick words on what they're thinking about or just drop a nugget here or there. I'm going to start with you, Mike. Drop the mic. Uh, well, I think I, was, I already dropped my mic in regards to the double standards in regards to the wake up call, you know, from the Capitol. But um, my drop the mic would be that. Uh, in relationships, social behaviors, um, friendships, uh, know your boundaries, know what you need to do um, so you can succeed in friendship and in, in workship. Drop the mic. Okay, Steph, what you got? Hey, real quick, your blood sugar, having a bad day, and the other excuses that are coming up around here with white supremacy. You know something, damn it, you're terrorists. You've been a terrorist, a lot of you have been terrorists since 1619. Now you come up with four excuses, all right? Blood sugar. So, yeah, well, yo, blood sugar when he called um, the uh, got, high school girls. Got yeah, the anyway. sugars. Yeah, he, he had the blood sugar. And, and now, got the beaties. Yeah, and now we got a dude down in, uh, in Georgia that was having a bad day, so he killed eight innocent people. No, oh, no hell no. 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 Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Let, let, let's stop making excuses for white terrorism. Nah, yeah, if you, you, you got low blood sugar, you grab a lightsaber. That's it. Keep moving. There you go. <laughs> hey, Chuck. <laughs> Holla at us, Chuck. Drop the mic. Yeah. Um, what are you doing to create generational wealth? Uh, what are you doing to foster financial literacy in your children? Um, one of the things they don't teach us in school let me rephrase that. What they teach us in school is how to work for someone else. In our community, uh, you know, we, we're not, we don't get taught stocks, mutual funds, all that good stuff. Um, so my drop to Mike is if you're not doing it, uh, enroll your child in some type of financial literacy course as well as yourself and prepare uh, your, them for generational wealth uh, because that's what's lacking in our community. Absolutely. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well and, and Charles and Charles, what you got? Stimulus checks. Uh, <laughs> America is going crazy over these stimulus checks. But let me let me just say this. If you are a non-bill payer, <laughs> you don't get a stimulus check. Hell, you understand? Yes, You've been now, stimulated. What, what I'm hearing is that there, are, give you two there are kids out here that are asking their parents for their stimulus check. And I'm like, hold on. <laughs> If you're living in a house for free, somebody else is feeding you, clothing you, you know, paying for the electricity in the house. I'm sorry, non-bill payer. You do not get a stimulus check. Mic drop. I, would, I like that. I, hey, I would it, stimulate that ass at three o'clock in the morning with a belt. <laughs> Take out some garbage. That's it. Yep. So uh, I'm going to go real quick here. And, and what I want to speak on real quick is coming to America. Uh, Eddie Murphy's long-awaited movie dropped uh, about a week or so ago, and a lot of people saw it, and a lot of people had a lot of different opinions on it. Um, you know, I think a lot of people tried to compare it to the original of, you know, the original, and, and it wasn't. Yeah. 
it wasn't the original. And but I think what you have to appreciate is all the people that were in this movie. There were so many people that you laughed just seeing like, oh my God, that dude's still here. You know, it was <laughs> it was crazy. And so um, you know, I must be real honest with you. When I first saw it, I, I wasn't my first reaction wasn't really positive. But then when I started hearing some of the hate, I was like, nah, but it's, you, you can't really hate on it like that. So, so my mic drop is, you know, we got to promote our people and the things that they do. You know, the, the, the movie world is different. Eddie Murphy was able to make, uh, uh, I think it was $132 million. He sold that for $132 million. Who's laughing? Mic yeah. drop. All right, that's all we have for tonight. And uh, thank you everyone for joining us and staying with us. Uh, be sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're everywhere. Follow us on any streaming service, wherever you get your, your, iPod, your podcast from. And again, it's just be a man. Uh, go ahead, Chuck. Go I was ahead. just going to say, go to, go to YouTube right now. Go, go to, to YouTube, YouTube right, YouTube, right YouTube, now and YouTube. hit that subscribe button. We need you guys to hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. So as uh, as always, thank you. God bless. And Mike, take us out. Deuces. Thanks for joining us this week on the Just Be A Man podcast. Be sure to check us out on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube, where you can follow, like, subscribe, and comment at Just Be A Man 2020. We will love to receive your feedback. Also, if there is a topic you would like us to discuss, please leave it in the comments. Remember to tune in every week for more meaningful discussion. Until then, we wish you peace and blessings. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and guests of Just Be A Man 2020, and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Five Nights Media, LLC, and its subsidiaries. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Exclude sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com. The case of the Long Island serial killer is still unsolved. Follow us, Billy Jensen and Alexis Linkletter, as we investigate the untold story of the Long Island serial killer. 11 victims, 10 years, and countless theories. It was just how many bodies were being found in one area. I was shocked. And for us, this case is personal. You can follow our investigation in our all-new special, Unraveled, The Long Island Serial Killer, streaming now on Discovery+. Plus. So if you're using anything other than Indeed for your hiring, you are wasting your time. You can hire great people faster with Indeed and only pay for results and get back time in your schedule. Indeed.com is a hiring site that helps you find quality candidates with Indeed Instant Match. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly, like that. And now with Indeed's new Instant Match feature, you can view quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description 
immediately after upgrading a job post. Unlike some other hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster, and there's no long-term contracts either. You can pause your account at any time and you only pay for what you need. And they help ensure that you get and show up at the right place at the right time in front of the right candidates. According to Indeed data, candidates invited to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than those who only see it in search. So you want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, our listeners get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash SPI. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash SPI. That's indeed.com slash SPI. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. So as you know, I've been in the podcasting space for a very long time now. Somebody came up to me the other day and they're like, Pat, dude, you're one of the old guys in the space. I love it. You've been doing this for so long. And I'm like, Thank you. (laughs) Anyway, I've been really lucky to produce some really successful podcasts, multiple podcasts and also courses. And part of my success is due to how particular I've been with some of the tools that I use. And in the podcasting space, my favorite tool is Buzzsprout. It is hands down the best tool for starting a podcast in 2021. It's amazingly easy to use as a podcast host. It's backed by a team that really cares about your success. They've been on the show before as guests, in fact. And like all podcasting hosting services, they get your show listed in all the major directories with, I think, like one click, you can make it happen, almost one click. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, et cetera. But what makes Buzzsprout different is they actually provide some really cool advanced tools that take the time to ensure everything is super easy to use. They have this thing called the magic mastering feature, which is so cool, which means literally you just flip a switch and every episode you upload is gonna be mastered properly, which matches all the levels in your show. So if you have somebody who's really soft, it's gonna bring it up. And that way, if a person's listening to your show in the car, they don't have to like turn it up when somebody's soft and then their ears blow out when you come back. It's just so, so good. All of this and so many features I didn't mention are available in Buzzsprout with plans starting at just $12 a month. They're an absolute wonderful partner and I've worked with them to offer my listeners an additional 33% more time on whichever plan you choose. Yes, if you go through our link, you get 33% more time added to your account. So let's make 2021 the year you start a podcast. Just head over to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout and I'll see you on all the directories. Let's do this. Okay, so I want you to imagine this. No matter what kind of business you have, even if you're just working a nine to five, it it doesn't really matter. But just imagine this, taking an entire month off, like literally disconnecting, getting away from even Wi-Fi, just completely removing yourself from, not the grid, because you you still want power maybe, but just from the connection to the internet, to social networks, to listening to information all overload, but just having a month to yourself, to think, to be present, to try something new. Now, does that make you feel like, wow, I would love that, that would be amazing, I probably need that right now. Or does that make you feel more on the side of, there is no way in the world that's ever gonna happen? Like that's not, I mean, I'm just getting anxiety thinking about all the things that I would need to think about and kind of the fires I need to put out and the emails I'd have to answer and all those kinds of things. Which one are you? Well, today we're interviewing a great friend of mine, Kristen Bohr from barefoottheory.com. She's an outdoor and travel blogger, very big on Instagram, amazing YouTube channel, a lot of van life type stuff. That's what a lot of people know her for. But also she's very connected to nature and 
blogs about this and most of her, her revenue comes from her blog and we're gonna talk about some of those things that she does for business and whatnot, but also how it was impacted this year by COVID and then what she did at the end of the year that might surprise you after having business maybe not do so well at the start of the year. She took a month-long sabbatical and what that means is she disconnected, she got away and today we're gonna talk about how she did that because she has a business to run, but she was still able to do it. We're gonna talk about all the things that have unlocked for her as a result of this. And I promise you, the results are kinda gonna surprise you, because they were surprising to me too. Kristen, like I said, is a good friend of mine. She was also a member of our Accelerator program in 2020, and just an amazing human being, and I'm excited to introduce her to you. So Kristen from barefoottheory.com. Let's cue the intro, and we'll get into it. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now, so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he thinks hate is a strong word, but he actually hates the Comic Sans font, Pat Flynn. Hey, it's Pat here. Thanks so much for joining me today. And this is episode 467 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Now we talk about business a lot here, right? We talk about things like funnels, email marketing, podcasting, YouTube content creation, hiring a team, removing yourself from the process as much as possible to usually do different kinds of things in your business. But today we're talking about removing yourself from the process to fully remove yourself from all the things that have been bogging you down, all the overwhelm, just to escape and still let the business run. And so let's hear from Kristen Bohr, B-O-R, from barefoottheory.com. Here she is. Kristen, welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I- I'm so excited you're here. Thank you for taking the time today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I can't wait. So before we get into the big thing, which I think everybody who's listening at this point already knows because I already talked about it in the intro as far as your sabbatical and what that was like, I want to learn everything there is about that. And I know it's going to inspire a lot of people. But for those who don't know what Barefoot Theory is and who you are, tell us a little bit about the brand and and the website and, and how you got into it. Sure. So Barefoot Theory is an outdoor blog where we inspire and empower people to get outside and give them the skills that they need to do so with confidence. And our goal is to just help people live happier, healthier lives by connecting with nature. I started in 2014 after a three-year stint working in Washington, D.C., wanted to do something else and sort of stumbled on some travel blogs that talked about travel blogging as a career. And that really sparked my interest and I decided to go for it. That's so cool. So like, I'm curious, travel blogger, you're not at home and you're not working a nine to five and sort of doing this afterwards. Like, what is a typical day like for you, just so we can get some perspective of on like, what's it like to be a travel blogger exactly? Sure. So this year has been a little bit different, obviously. There really is no normal or no routine. And and that's one of the challenges is like trying to separate work and play. But I spend half my year traveling in my sprinter van. So we converted our sprinter van into a camper that we can live out of full time. So we spend half the year traveling, living in that. And then the other half we spend living at our house in Salt Lake, usually the winter we're home. In the winter, I'm, you know, catching up on a lot of bigger projects that I can't really crank out when I'm traveling full time. So a lot more time on the computer. When we're on the road in the summer, 
you know, really just depends. Like when we have Wi-Fi, that's when I schedule my calls, when I you know, do my emails, when I do the things that require an internet connection. And then when I'm not, when there is no service, then I'll edit my photos and we go on hikes and we gather the content and kind of process that when we don't have any service. So that's amazing. A uh, different lifestyle for sure. And I know you've talked about this a lot, not just on your blog at barefoottheory.com, but also your YouTube channel. Your YouTube channel is pretty big and you've just came out with a recent series on what van life is like and how to convert your van and all this stuff. So if this lifestyle sounds interesting to you, definitely check out Kristen. I know personally, several people who have been inspired by Kristen's work and are actually now doing the van life or about to do van life stuff. So that's that's pretty cool. But I also know you, Kristen, because you were a student of mine for a while, a year. And one of the things I've gotten to know about you is just your incredible work ethic and how hard you work and how many great ideas you have and how you want to do all of them, right? And and this could be a great thing, right, to have a lot of ideas. But I also know, and I want to hear from you, like, there's a struggle there sometimes, especially when it comes to getting overwhelmed. Tell us about sort of beginning 2020, what your mindset was like related to work and sort of how much you were working. Oh boy. Yes. At the beginning of 2020, we had a lot of different big projects going on. So I was deep into the middle of a rebrand, which ended up taking a year and a half. (laughs) But that was a huge project. We launched a whole new version of our website. We were in the beginning stages of planning our annual van life festival called Open Roads Fest, which got canceled because of COVID. But, you know, tickets were on sale and all that earlier in the year. We also released, sort of alluded to it, a free online course all about van life, which we filmed like over 50 videos and blog posts to kind of walk people through the entire process of starting van life from start to finish. So then COVID hit and I had to make some adjustments to my team. I had to learn how to work more efficiently. And so I was taking on just, I just had a lot on my plate. So luckily I discovered meditation in 2020 and have been doing that as a practice every day. And that sort of helped me like when my brain starts to like fire off and all these ideas and I get kind of impatient wanting to do them all at once, but it's not actually physically possible. That's been a really helpful tool in like calming the mind and like really helping me figure out what to prioritize on. That's great. Yeah. And and I know that part of what we're talking about today or the major thing we're talking about today had stemmed from a lot of the stuff that was happening in 2020. And I want to know what was going through your head and and what made you make the decision to go on this three to four month break, this sabbatical, this I need to just step away from everything right now. What led you to that decision? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of funny because my partner Ryan and I were spending a lot of time walking around our neighborhood. We were going on like seven mile walks every day just around our neighborhood because we weren't really doing anything else. And, you know, a lot of my ideas come to me when I'm outside walking or hiking. And I just one day just came up with this idea, like, what if I take a break? I was feeling kind of burnt out from work and from social media in particular. I was starting to see, you know, my screen time was at an all-time high. I was starting to feel some negative impacts from that and just kind of constantly comparing myself to like what everybody else was doing during this past year and making me feel like maybe I wasn't doing enough or I could be doing this better or that better. And all of a sudden my brain just felt like it was going to explode because it's just not possible to do that all. And so, you know, I had these ideas about 
bringing on new writers and this and that. But after I finished my rebrand, I realized that if I just sort of launched into this next chapter without taking some time for myself, there would be no time because, you know, if I'm hiring new people and doing this and that, there was no gap for like any sort of recovery from, you know, eight months of nonstop work, basically. (laughs) So yeah, so we were just on a walk one day and I kind of came up with the idea and I said, gosh, what if I just took three or four months off social media and I'm like off work, like what would happen? Yeah. So that's sort of how it started. It was just a random, random thought one day on a walk. And the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. You know, I've heard from other people, people who have actually baked this into their yearly plan. Michael Hyatt does this every year for a few months. I know a guy named Sean West who's going on a, a year-long sabbatical. So this isn't like a new thing. And, and I don't know necessarily where the idea came from, but oftentimes when we have these ideas like this, especially for an entrepreneur, like the idea of just like pausing everything for that long almost seems impossible. What was your initial reaction to the idea? Was it like, yes, let's do it? Was it like, how am I even gonna, like, where do you even begin? So I'd love to know when you had this idea, what was your mindset? And, and then how did you move forward with it, no matter what? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I went back and forth and back and forth. You know, I, I think I had a lot of questions about, you know, would my audience just get, you know, forget about me? Like, what would happen to right. traffic if I wasn't posting on social, you know, three, four, five times a week? You know, would it affect my bottom line? Would I be able to keep my employees employed? And at first, I, you know, still kind of recovering. So March and April were, I think, tough months for a lot of online entrepreneurs. A good chunk of my money comes from advertising for outdoor companies and also banner ads on my site. And March and April were tough months and, you know, made me question if this keeps going, like, you know, I'm going to have to make some long-term adjustments So first, my idea was that we're just going to close our doors for four months. We're all going to go on vacation. So I have a small team. I have um, my my partner in crime, Linda, who's kind of a jack. She basically is like a a second me. You know, she can basically do everything. And then we have a part-time writer. And I thought, well, maybe during my break, we'll all just go on vacation and we'll regroup after the new year. But then I, you know, started to think, well you know, it's like the business needs to be able to operate when I go on vacation. Like I can't just, it's, it's like, I can't just close the doors indefinitely and not post on the blog, not post anywhere, just like make my audience think that like, I don't care, you know? So I started to shift my thinking that, okay, maybe Linda will, you know, work part-time. And then as we got closer and we realized that, well, there's actually a lot of projects we could do in my absence that are important, you know, maybe she could just work full time. So that's what ended up happening is Linda worked full time while I was gone. Becky, our writer, she stayed on, she works 10 or 15 hours a week. You know, we, I talked to Linda maybe once a month about what was going on, but you know, I was pretty much, you know, I wasn't on Slack. I put an autoresponder on my email I deleted all the social media apps for my phone. So I was pretty disconnected from like the work side of things. And there was a big 
you know, luckily I've random passwords for everything. So it wasn't like I could just log back in without looking up the password, you know, in my... Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> That's really cool. So a little bit of preparation ahead of time, getting the team sort of going, writing some stuff and, and, and sort of just not leaving right away. I'm, I'm curious, did your audience know that you took a sabbatical before you went? Did you kind of uh, let them know this was happening or? So I started preparing in June and I left in August. So during that preparation period, I didn't tell any, I didn't like publicly announce anything, but we were working behind the scenes to just make sure that like Linda was in touch with anybody that maybe I had like would have been in touch with, you know, that she needed to sort of take over those conversations that Linda and Becky were well prepared for like sort of what I expected you know, what I would wanted to happen while I was gone, the certain posts and sort of like we have our holiday gift list. So that needed to like be done in November. So we did some planning to sort of get like a lot, like a three month sort of vision for my absence. And then the day I deleted my social media, my last post was like, I'm taking three months off. It ended up being four, but yeah, I, I announced on Instagram and in my newsletter and I put a blog post up explaining why I was doing this. And then I immediately deleted any, everything. So I didn't look at comments or anything. I just, I didn't Good want you. I would have been like, <laughs> what are they saying about it? Like, are they, are they angry? Are they upset? Like, how did you get the courage to do that? Like, I'm curious. Well, you know, it was pretty easy because I deleted the app. And then like that afternoon, we went on a five day canoe trip where I had no service. So, oh, well, there you go. You almost like forced yourself to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so once we got back, then it was, you know, you realize there's like a physical reflex, like going to grab your phone. I mean, we don't go anywhere without our phones these days or without looking at something on our phone every couple of minutes or even more. So when we first got back from the canoe trip, that was sort of good because I was like cold turkey, you know, cutting myself off. But then we got back and I was definitely like noticing myself like going to grab my phone and then I would pick up my phone and then I realized there was nothing to look at. And like, if I wanted to, I also deleted the news app (laughs) and basically anything that just like enabled me to mindlessly scroll on my phone. And so when I picked up my phone, if I wanted to read something, it was like, I had to think about what I wanted to look up and then look that up. I didn't just have information in front of me waiting to be consumed. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I want to know... What were some of the other hard things or some of the other, perhaps if there were any struggles, you had mentioned this just noticing yourself going for the phone, which is really weird that that's like baked into us now. And you're Mm -hmm. right, we never go anywhere without it. And were there any other challenges? Were there moments in the middle where you kind of just wanted to check in on things or like what was what else was difficult about it, if anything? Well, you know, I'm sort of a perfectionist and one thing that's like, and this was a lesson learned from this whole experience is like one thing that's really slowed us down as a team is my need to oversee every word in every blog post to make sure it's exactly how I would say it. And every picture has to be the picture that I would choose for that blog post. And that sort of stifles the process. And it really slows us down when I have a highly capable team of women who are experienced in the outdoors, who know me well are, you know, totally able to just publish a blog. Like I give them the words, they publish the blog post, or even, you know, they can go in and make updates themselves without me having to, you know, give the check of approval. So it was a good lesson in like learning how to stop micromanaging and 
to just kind of empower them to do their job and own the results of the job that they do and, you know, not come in and fix things before they get published, you know, and, and every now and then I would, you know, I would go to my blog and, you know, and see, oh, I wonder what they've like published this week. And it always was great. So just a good chance for me to step back and like, let them take the responsibility of sort of steering the ship and making decisions and like feeling really good about what they're publishing. And I think as a result, this year, we're just going to be operating in a much more efficient, smooth manner. And that frees up my time to do more of the higher level work. That's absolutely huge, Kristen. I didn't even think of that. And that's what a wonderful byproduct of this for your team and, and for you and just the efficiency of the business. That is incredible. Wow. And it's it's true. It reminds me of when I started working with Jess, you, you know, Jess, mm-hmm. uh, my executive assistant, and she came in to help me with email initially. And I had to learn and she had to teach me that I didn't have to see every email. I didn't have to write every email and nothing was going to break. Like it was like it's a learning process, but like nothing exploded. Right. And that and that was that was the thing that I was always worried about. Like, what if this? What if that? Like, no, no, Pat, it's okay. like you're we're going to be OK. I'll take care of it. Trust me. Okay. And then you start to see things moving and you start to spend more time doing other things. And, and I think that's what's happened here. And it, it, it just reminded me of that. You, you had written this beautiful blog post just recently, in fact, on Barefoot Theory, and I'll link to it in the show notes. It's called Lessons from My Four-Month Social Media Break and Why Digital Detox is Necessary. And I want you to quickly speak to the six points, the six lessons here, just kind of give us an overview of like what changed in that manner. And your first lesson here was that getting off social media changed how you traveled. What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, so much of my bucket list is determined by photos that I see on Instagram. And I get there and they're busy. Sometimes they're littered. You know, it's a lot of people just going to get their photo and getting back in the car and leaving. And Mm -hmm. that kind of travel is starting to like, I, I don't enjoy that. I would rather go somewhere that's not crowded, that's off the beaten path. Maybe it's just not like is Instagram worthy per se, but like the experience itself is more enjoyable to me. And so we did a lot more of that kind of travel. You know, we went to places that I would have never gone to knowing that I had the pressure of like posting on my Instagram channel, you know, five days a week. Like we spent, you know, probably a month at the beach and, you know, the beach is beautiful, but I know my, my audience is mountain people, you know? So yeah. So this is the equivalent of of like, if you're a food blogger, the difference between like getting the pie to look perfect, standing on the table, like looking down while your family's just like waiting for you versus just like, let's enjoy the meal together, right? Yeah. And even though it looks crappy, it tastes good, right? Yeah, exactly. So where did you go? Like, um, like what's one of the spots you went that you didn't think you'd enjoy? Sure. Well, it wasn't that I didn't think I would enjoy. It was more just like the, the content you know, so I was always thinking about the content that I'm going to capture, but we went, so we, we took off in our van. We went, the West was so smoky. So we decided to go back East and we went to the boundary waters in Minnesota, which was where we canoed. And that was where we set off. And then we went to the upper peninsula of Michigan. And then we drove up, we saw all five great lakes. And then we went up to New Hampshire and Vermont for fall and did the fall colors there. And then after that, we went down to the Outer Banks of North Carolina and just like they have really nice national park campgrounds right on the beach there. So we were there. We were in North Carolina for about a month. And then after that, we went down to Florida and 
we're kind of in the panhandle, like northern Florida area as it started to get colder. Wow, that sounds epic. So that's cool. So it changed your decision making and your why behind where you go and just probably made you more present while there, I'm sure. Beautiful. Okay, number two, my social media break allowed me a lot more free time. Tell me more. Yeah. So, you know, you don't realize how much time you spend scrolling and looking at what other people have to say and just turning that off. All of a sudden, I had like time to read books and like we would get back from a hike and rather than me just launching into like, getting on my phone or getting on my computer, like I would read or I would meditate or we'd cook dinner together, you know, play with our dog and just downtime that I didn't fill every second of by staring at my phone. You close this section off by saying, taking this time off helped me see that I have plenty of time. I just have to make an active choice to spend my time on the things that matter to me most. And that just speaks to what you just said. Like a lot of us are spending time on things that when it really comes down to it, probably doesn't matter that much when it really comes down to it. So yeah, there, uh, you had a guest on uh, recently. He wrote that book, Personality Isn't Permanent. He was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I read some of that book and he talked about how your time is indicative of your priorities. And like, you know, you should spend your time doing the things that you want your future self to be like what you want your future personality to be engaged in. And so, you know, I kind of, just thought about that. Wow, I spend so much time looking at other people's photos online and people I don't even know or, you know, connect with personally. So it was just a good exercise and like sort of regaining that time and like feeling like, wow, I don't feel so rushed around anymore. I can actually like do these things that matter because I'm not scrolling on my phone for two hours every day. Absolutely. You had also mentioned next that you just felt more present in your relationship. And I know that everybody here has relationships of all different kinds, but whether it's a spouse, a partner, a kid, a a friend, tell me more about how getting off of social media made you more present with the people close to you. Sure. And yeah, this wasn't just like, it wasn't just social media, but it was also the work in general, just like actually taking a real vacation because normally when we're traveling, I'm really juggling work and you know, our travels and, you know, whether that means I'm on my phone planning where we're going next, or I'm posting some photo or posting some story or uploading my photos or responding to emails. So like just turning that off allowed us to just enjoy each other's company. And I think like when we get in bed at night, rather than sitting on our phones and we're both looking at our phones, looking at Instagram or the news or whatever, it's like we allowed us to really connect and be present and appreciate this amazing trip we had together that wasn't muddy by, you know, other people's experiences, I guess. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That that makes sense. And, you know, it's like my wife and I, we often put the phones down, we just chat and like, we need to just do that more. Like, let's just talk. There doesn't have to be anything else involved, just two people connecting. And you're right, I think when we start to add other noise out there, it starts to kind of get in the way of that. And, you know, it's crazy that you've done this cold turkey like for three months, but we can do this in a day. We can do this within a couple minutes or a couple hours within a day. It doesn't have to be a three-month thing, although obviously this has become a very, very amazing thing. I want to ask you more in a minute about whether or not you think you're going to do this again. But number four here you had mentioned, and we had talked about this already, so we don't have to talk about it too much because you already touched on it, but the idea that you have more control over, over the information you are consuming, right? You have now the ability to 
be conscious and choose the things that you want to bring in versus just kind of being fed all this stuff. So, so number five, I do want to talk about, you felt energized around new passions. T- tell me what happened on this sabbatical and, and where new passions came into play. So before my break, I was feeling pulled in a new direction a bit, but I never really had time to explore that or share any of it on my blog. I felt because I was sort of in this hamster wheel of always trying to like catch up and like was never really had the time to kind of write about something new. It was always doing like the same, more of the same thing. And basically my partner and I started um, a plant-based diet just over a year ago. So yeah, about 14 months ago. And it has been a really big it's made it such a huge difference in our health and our energy and our happiness. And, you know, my niche that I consider is, is the outdoors, but I think it's all related because as an outdoor enthusiast, I really care about the environment. And now that I'm learning more about the benefits of a plant-based diet in terms of the environment, like I think it's all really connected topics that I would love to share with my audience, but I just felt like I didn't have time to like actually learn enough to share it. Like, you know, I didn't want to just, you know, watch a documentary and all of a sudden I have like all these opinions. I wanted to read and learn. Yeah. Just having, having the space to sort of read books and I signed up, I'm, I'm almost done with this six week plant-based nutrition course that was offered through eCornell. And I just, I'm so excited to like introduce more of these topics on the blog. We have a post coming out this week about the environmental benefits. We're going to start swapping out our, like, I I didn't realize that there's so many, so much outdoor gear is made with animal products. And now that I've like, I'm diving deeper into this, I want to start swapping those products out with other alternatives. So eventually I'd like to be like a fully vegan where like all the, you know, information on my blog is vegan friendly and the recommendations we make for products are vegan friendly because there are good alternatives out there. And we just have to sort of shift that belief system around that like there are alternatives and they're just as good. So anyways, sorry, that was a little bit of an aside, but you know, you can see I'm very passionate and fired up about this. And, you know, we like during my break, we watched a number of movies. I started reading books and it was like, you know, before my break, I was like, Oh, what should I do next? Like, should I create, you know, some sort of membership around hiking in the outdoors or, mm-hmm. you know, my festival got canceled. So I think we'll be this year as well. So, you know, I was just kind of trying to figure out what to do. And I think the answer was always in me. I just didn't have the space to really like let it transpire. So yeah, so we're going to start incorporating a lot more of that onto the blog. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. And, you know, I know it's not going to resonate with everybody, but I think new people will come in who are going to be really fired up about it. So that's really cool. That's really cool. And, it, you know, so in, in a way, the break actually is helping support the business in, mm-hmm. in that regard. And that's really cool. And then finally here, you say, you know, my life felt more full. Like, what does a full life mean to you exactly? So I think when we're on these social media apps, you know, everybody's posting. I mean, it's obvious. Everybody's posting the best moments. Nobody's posting about, you know, the fight they had with their partner or, you know, the trip that went sour. It's like, we're just seeing the highlights of, you know, the best of the best. And I think even now we're seeing like, oh, like that person's house is decorated so perfect. And, you know, it's it just leads to a lot of unhealthy comparison and, 
you know, when you're constantly looking at what everybody else is doing, and even on my travels, like we'll, we'll be somewhere really beautiful. And then I get on Instagram, and I'm like, oh, I wish we were there, which is just crazy. I'm like, we're somewhere cool too. But when you, so when you take away that sort of comparison, you start to be a lot more content with what you have in your current present moment versus constantly wishing, oh, well, we should have gone here or we should have done that instead, or maybe this would have been better. You're just like, oh, this is awesome. And I'm happy in this moment. And I'm not worried about what anybody else is doing or feeling like, you know, maybe we made the wrong choice and should have done something different. That's so key. I mean, it's it's such a huge realization. And and so my my final question here, as we finish up, first of all, thank you for letting us in on everything that's been going on. And 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 it's cool to see you back online because I know that mm-hmm. we had not spoken to each other for a while. And you're back. What's changed now? How do we make sure that while working, you still have these things in place? And are you going to take another sabbatical? You think? Definitely. Yeah. Maybe next time I'll bring some of my community with me. Like, let's disconnect here, go connect with nature and come back and reconvene in the new year and like share what we learned. And this is obviously something a lot of people are struggling with, you know, especially right now. So yes, I'm going to do it again. I think I've learned that I really like, like before I was trying to just like work hard, play hard all the time. And it was just getting really exhausting and unsustainable. And so now I'm kind of like, okay, well, rather than work hard, play hard 365 days a year, I'm going to work hard (laughs) nine months a year and then set the pieces up so I can take the three months off, not work during that time. And then really, you know, be able to explore my creative side and learn and do some of these, you know, new passions and just kind of disconnect because I think that I come back feeling really, you know, fired up and ready to bring new ideas back to the business that maybe I would have never even thought of had I just continued. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely some pieces in the, in the business that need to, uh, things that for the first time, things went exceptionally smooth, but there's a few things that, you know, could be improved on to make this go even better next time. What would those things be? So what we did is in my absence, so I I introduced Linda to my audience and she took over the weekly newsletter. So she was communicating like, you know, with them every week, signing the newsletter in her name. So it wasn't like it was pretending to come from me. It was from her. And I thought that was really great because now it's not just me. Now it's kind of the two of us and we're a team and like, the audience knows both of us. And so if I take a break, she can sort of fill on that gap. And it's not like weird, like, oh, who's this person, you know, that we've never heard of who now is like communicating with us. But I think since I got back, we've set up like, we've never really operated with like an editorial calendar, like where we're planning in advance. And I think that that's just sort of like, it's just like I said, the three of us and we have 500 blog posts. And it's just like, you know, a lot of times I'm coming up with ideas, writing and publishing it immediately without really like getting ever ahead. So this month we're spending on getting ahead. So we're, we set up a whole editorial calendar that we're going to update every month or every quarter. So we can start planning ahead. So that way when I'm gone next year, we can still be publishing some new content and things don't just like completely halt in terms of new stuff. 
And um, we're also experimenting with some social media scheduling tools. Like I don't use any, I've never used any sort of scheduler, which is seems crazy because I have three different Instagram accounts, one for my festival, I have a van one and I have, you know, my barefoot theory. So the fact that we haven't ever used like any sort of scheduler is just crazy. So now we're like experimenting with some schedulers. So that way I can not be on the apps as much and using a scheduler to like get my content out there, like communicate with my people, but not have to be on there scrolling as much. Just having that piece in place is not for my break next year, but just going to make this year and like my relationship with social media be a lot healthier. There's so much in this episode. I, th- I definitely believe that there's going to be people listening to this who are now going to be inspired to take their own sabbatical three month, one month, one week even. It doesn't matter. I think unplugging, it just, there's so many lessons to be learned from that. And sometimes you won't know what the benefits are until you do it. And so I'm definitely inspired. And Kristen, thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything that you did and, and, and packaging this for us in a very uh, actually easy way to not just understand the benefits, but even even the how and some of the nuances with the business and how that worked too. That was really helpful. So where can people go to find out more from you and, and where should they follow you? So my blog is barefoottheory.com, but it's spelled like bear the animal, B-E-A-R, barefoot theory. And I'm also barefoot theory on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, barefoot theory, pretty much everywhere. So maybe soon to be on TikTok, but I don't know. (laughs) Awesome, Kristen. Well, thank you so, so much. It was a pleasure to chat with you. And and this is the first time I'm hearing about what the sabbatical has done for you because right at the tail end of our time together was the time that you were about to leave. So congratulations. Well done. Looking forward to the, to hearing about the next one and the other people you take along the ride with you. So th- thank you so much, Kristen. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kristen. And hopefully this was an eye opener for you because it definitely was for me. And, you know, I know it's maybe a little bit difficult during the pandemic and Kristen has a van that she can just climb into that is her home at times and she can roam around the country and explore and literally escape. And I hope that as we start to come out of this pandemic, that we can also consider the fact that, well, maybe this doesn't mean we need to dedicate every minute of every hour of every day to going back to business and going full throttle, but also planning for time, maybe mid-year, maybe next year or sometime in the near future to actually take time off and to escape and to discover new things just like Kristen did. And it's so inspiring. And Kristen, I'm so grateful for you for sharing and being open about this and sharing this on your blog as well. We'll put all the links to the things that we mentioned and the article that we sort of went over at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 467. Again, smartpassiveincome.com slash session 467. That's where the show notes and links are gonna be. Again, barefoottheory.com with Kristen Bohr. This was amazing. Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you in advance for all the reviews that are coming in and have come in and are going to come in. They're so meaningful. We read them at Team SPI and we just enjoy them so much because it gives us energy. And I've been hearing a lot of great things about how you've been feeling about the Friday follow-ups because these episodes, these ones with interviews, come out on Wednesdays. And on Fridays, it's just you and me. And we have a little follow-up. We go deep on something. We're going to go deep again about something that we talked about here today. You'll have to subscribe to find out what that is. But 15 to 20 minutes on Friday to sort of recap all this. And I hopefully can hear about how this has helped inspire you as well. I'm looking forward to chatting with you again in just a couple days. So Friday follow-up coming up soon. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. Take care. And as always, 
Team Flynn for the win. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. Here's the thing. Email marketing consistently outperforms social media, ads, and pretty much any other marketing channel out there. But so many entrepreneurs ignore email because it hasn't worked for them in the past or because they just simply don't know how to get started. Here's the thing. On March 23rd at 1 p.m. Pacific, I'm hosting a free 90-minute training called Five Powerful Email Strategies to Level Up Your Business that you can start using right away to connect with your audience, sell more product, and grow your business. In this training, I'm gonna cover a lot of ground and you'll walk away with lessons you can start using right away. We're gonna talk about two strategies specifically to grow your list, and once you've grown your email list, or if you already have one, we're gonna talk about two powerful ways to really use that email list. We're gonna go over a framework for better everything. That's better open rates, better click rates, better copywriting, better automation. We're even gonna talk about the challenges you'll face, especially a moment when you might wonder why nobody wants your emails and what to do instead. And super importantly, we'll talk about how to strongly promote through email without burning your list, meaning upsetting people or feeling like it's a little too aggressive. So here's the thing. I say that a lot, but I'm just really excited about this workshop. If you want to use email marketing to grow in 2021, and trust me, you definitely should be, you won't want to miss this free training on March 23rd at 1 p.m. Pacific. Sign up now at smartpassiveincome.com slash webinars. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash webinars, and I'll see you there. So we're trying something new with the SPA podcast that we've been working on for a while now, and I'm so excited to tell you about it. We partnered with our friends at Supercast and just launched a new podcast experience called the SPA Podcast Premium Pass, and now you can sign up for it today. The SPA Podcast Premium Pass is a paid subscription that gives you all the content you know and trust and also gives you perks that we've never offered before. You'll get access to all SPI podcast episodes a day before they're published anywhere else. And you're also gonna get them completely ad-free. And soon we're gonna start publishing new weekly content that will only be available to subscribers, all for only $5 a month. It only takes a few minutes to set up the SPI podcast premium pass and start listening with your favorite podcast player. Membership is super flexible with no commitment required, so you're in full control of your subscription at all times. And it's a subscription that you can feel good about. By subscribing to the Premium Pass, you'll be supporting the SPI team, which allows us to continue to produce valuable content, including new podcasts for you. We're so excited to be offering the subscription, and we hope that you'll join us. Sign up for the SPI Podcast Premium Pass today at smartpassiveincome.com slash premium. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash premium. Hope to see you on the Premium Pass. for this week's episode. Add us to your podcatcher or on iTunes now so that you can make sure you never miss out on another second of our wonderful podcast. We would hate for you to miss out. Have a great week, everyone. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.